Bienvenue, Kanichiwa, Nihao, Jambo, Morhaba. It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 237 on Sunday, the 26th of June, 2022. I'm Armish Phil. I'm Armish Ben. And I'm Armish Matt. And tonight we're joined by the proprietor of Ashmore Estates up in Illinois, Robin Terry. How are you doing, Robin? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Great, thank you. Good. Robin. Yeah, thanks for thanks for doing this. I know it was uh, short notice, and um, I should uh, say up, up front thanks to Mark Wyatt for uh, making this suggestion because he's been exploring your place uh, earlier on today. And um, the links in the show notes, um, AshmoreEstates.net, if uh, people want to check out the uh, some photos, and uh, you can find videos on YouTube and stuff. Um, so. Um, I mean, tell us a bit about the the history of this place and and how you got involved with it. Um, actually, I got involved with in it because the uh, the guy that used to own the place, uh, one that I bought uh, that I bought it from, he was going to put a haunted house on in Indiana, and I had a, a former haunted house that we ran in my building for about ten years, and he wanted to uh, he wanted to buy some props that I had, so I told him meet me at the building, I'll show you what I've got. So he came over and looked at everything. And when he was doing that, he finally, you know, he started talking about it. I said, where are you going to build this haunt? And he said, Indiana. And I asked him, I said, did you have a haunt now or what? And he said, well, I have one now. He said, I'm closing it. I said, which one do you have? Uh, being involved with the haunted house business and all, I was familiar with a lot of them. And he said, Ashmore States. And I said, no, I've been out there before. I said, I was actually out there in September of 2012 uh, to investigate, but the place was so full of haunted house props, you couldn't even get around. And uh, so he said he's going to sell it. My wife is sitting up there, and she kind of made the uh, the comment like, "Oh crap, I can't believe this." So uh, we made an appointment to come over and, uh, and visit the place and uh, decided to buy it. And uh, when I was walking through the place, there was something on the second floor uh, that kind of convinced me to buy it. It was pretty much like saying that you know, help our building. Uh, the the building was in such poor shape that nobody wanted to stay there. And uh, I think that that was the main thing with it is that the uh, it was just the building was in bad shape and uh, and they weren't doing anything to it. Um, it started off basically as a poor farm, and uh, every county in the state had to have a poor farm. And this one was Coles County Poor Farm. It was not at this site originally; it was another site, and then it was moved out here in the uh, uh, the late 1800s, and it. Uh, it was everything was going fine. It was a, you know a pretty good sized structure still, but there was a little girl that her dress caught fire in uh, eighteen I believe like eighteen eighty eight or eighteen eighty sometime in that time frame. When I get the years kind of mixed up, her dress caught fire and she perished in the fire. And at that point, somebody from the state of Illinois came down 
about 30 years later after she died and said, this building's in such bad shape because they never fixed it up from the damage done from the fire. Um, the people were living in their own feces. Uh, there was these, they actually said the animals in the stables had better living conditions than the human state of the building. So they decided to tear it down and they built the existing structure um, in 1916. It was finished and they moved into that. And then it continued on to about 1959 until the, uh, the public aid system took over in the, in the states and all the counties and they shut it down and turned it into a, a retirement center um, basically for uh, older age people like a, a mentally challenged and things like that and it uh, took that over until um, sometime in the 80s when it shut down i forget the exact year but like 1980s or so um, it, it shut down completely and uh it was just it's, it's been a mental hospital it's never been an asylum a lot of people say that it was asylum, but it was not asylum. There's a big difference between asylums and hospitals, uh, mental hospitals, and uh, this was not an asylum. But it was uh, the long story short. That's what it. It became. It went from a, a poor farm, where it had occupants that stayed here because they had nowhere else to go, and then uh, into a psychiatric care facility, and um, that's where it's at now. It's just uh, all shut down, and you know, we're just doing the paranormal investigations and everything there now. You you you, so you mentioned it was a poor farm. That's not like a concept I'm familiar with in the UK. I might be wrong. What what does that actually mean? Like a, a poor farm? The poor farm was basically a place where people that had no money, um, no place to stay. They may have had health issues that they couldn't get taken care of at a hospital because they had no way to pay for anything. It was a place to go that um, that they couldn't have to take care of things for themselves. And every county in the state had to have one. And I think this was actually nationwide. It was before our our, our public aid system where basically they wrote them checks. Now, the, what they would do with the poor farmers, they would come there and they would work at the poor farm basically for their living accommodations and their their upkeep and as far as you know, foods and meals and things like that. But they farmed about 300 acres on the property. They took care of their own livestock, they butchered their own livestock, they grew uh, all their own food. And it was just, it was a place where they could go that they could live that they didn't have anywhere else to go. And uh, we had, it was, it was a strange situation because you had anything from um, children to rapists in the building, even murderers and things like that. I mean, you could, all walks of life lived in the building because there was nowhere else for them to go. And the, uh, this was, this is it. This was their, their last chance, so to speak, of where they could stay and uh, without living on the streets. I think it sounds a bit similar to like Victorian workhouses or poor houses, doesn't it? Essentially, yeah, similar. Like there was there was a what was the thing our mums and dads used to say? We'll, we'll end up in the workhouse. <laughs> yeah, like if you if you fell on hard times, mm-hmm. you lost your means of earning a living. Then that was like the last resort. So it was our. This is in it's probably a similar sort of era, the Victorian yeah. era, where our area is famous for cotton milling. So there was lots of cotton mills, and and they used to be warehouse workhouses. I think they were called a lot of them, weren't they? And mm-hmm. that's where a lot of people ended up back in mm-hmm. the day when they when they couldn't, you know, uh, keep keep themselves independently. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I think they would have been would they have been state run? I don't know. I, I thought similar sort of thing. No, I don't. I don't know if it was like local. Businessmen, uh, yeah, or gentrified people, maybe, or mm. some of them may have been sort of related to the church in some way. How were the the poor farms uh, owned back in the day over there, Robin? Were they sort of 
wealthy businessmen who ran them, or was it a state, state um, sort of run thing? Yeah, they, they were all owned by the counties. The county had to have one right. for these people that didn't have any money where they went to. And and you mentioned the uh, you know, the parents and things that we always joked about that too. Is that you know. My parents and grandparents said, if you don't stop this, you're going to send me to the poor farm, and which is exactly where what I bought. So I always tell people, like, you know that place that your parents and grandparents said you were going to send you to? I said, you're there. And uh, the, old, the old board game by Milton Bradley, uh, I think it was Milton Bradley, the game called Life, oh, they used life, to have yeah. a place on there that you could you'd go to the poor farm. And they've taken it out since. I think, uh, I'm not sure why, but... Uh, the old games have it where you spin a dial and you go to the poor farm. The new games don't have that any longer. So I'm not sure. So uh, what happened to it, but yeah, the poor farm has been around for a long time. Um, people don't know what it's, you know, what it is now because mm. it's stopped in 59. So, you know, it's been over 60 years ago that, uh, you know, that they shut down. Wow. That's not that long ago. No. Yeah. I thought, <laughs> I thought it would have been uh, a little bit, uh, earlier than that, to be honest with you, rather than the 50s. I mean, it kind of ties in because when I think about our system, our social safety nets, things like the NHS, they a lot of these were products of the post-war period. Yeah. And then these sort of replaced the workhouses and, I guess, the poor farms as well. And so mm-hmm. what, was, um, what was the outlook like? Did people ever escape the poor farm? Or was that you, you were pretty much done once you got to that sort of low and ebb? They called them inmates while they were here, but they did not have to stay. The problem is they had nowhere to go. And uh, so they were stuck here just because virtue of not having the money to go anywhere. Um, a lot of the women and children might go like with family members. They might move in with family members because they would take care of the, the women, women and children where most of the men would stay here because people didn't want to take the men and they just, you know, they were, they were stuck. But uh, the women and children went places, but they were they could come and go as they wanted if they had a place to go to. But there was no fences and like that. They weren't locked in. Right. Um, I think that uh, when, you, you know, when we went back and did the research, I looked at a lot of the photos and there's not a lot of information out there about the place because the people that had money didn't want anything to do with these people here that didn't have any money. So you never saw stories written up about them or anything like that. They were just like the outcasts of society, basically, because nobody wanted anything to do with them. So they stuck them out here. And I mean, and these poor farms weren't like they're right next door to the you know, local business district. They're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, where I'm at here is we're seven miles from one of the largest cities and about a mile from another city. It was back off the highway uh, the old picture showed they probably had like 25 trees out in front of the property, basically hiding the house from the road. So you couldn't see it. And um, it was a beautiful structure when it was built, but the people that had money didn't want anything to do with the people that did not. And uh, so they stuck them out here in the middle of nowhere. And every County that I visited one, they're usually hard to find because that's what they all did. They, they stuck them out in the middle of no place. And uh, tell us a bit about like the sort of scale of the building, how and how many people it might have housed at at, at one time. Well, the original building, when it, it was a wooden structure, and then when it caught fire, it had some damage and everything. And and they probably had you know twenty people though there at one time. Um, you have to keep in mind that Coles County, where this is, is not very large compared to a lot of the other counties. So it's uh, it's it is now, but it wasn't back then. It wasn't a big county. And so they, they'd stay there. Um, you know, we've seen 
you know, we, there's not a lot of records out there that show a lot of things because, like I said, they don't want anything to do with these people. But from the records that we've seen, you know, and then talking to one of the ladies that used to live out here when she was a child, you know, they'd have maybe 30 to 35 people out here at one time uh, staying, and they kind of come and go. Maybe they finally found somebody that they could, you know, move in with or go live with or something, and they would move on. But for the most part, they were they were pretty much here until they died. And there was like over 200 deaths in the building that were basically from, you know, it's from staying here for so long and all that they, uh, they just, they ran out of life. This was the place they came and they stayed here until they died. You mentioned um, when you came around to look at the place, like you'd done some investigating here before. Was that right? Right. Yeah, I was out here in 2012 and um, back in September of 2012 and we investigated at that point, but the building has so many haunted house props. You could be in one area of the building and there could be 10 or 12 people in that, that area. And you had no idea because you couldn't see past the head walls and mazes and things like that. So you hear a voice and you're like, is there somebody over there? Like, yeah, I am. Like, okay, well we had no idea. It's like, yeah, I'm over here too. And, uh, you know, find out there's like eight, nine, 10 people all in about a yeah, 800 <laughs> square foot area. And it was like, well, this is ridiculous. You can't investigate something like this. <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm guessing you must have known. Did the place have a reputation for this? Then that was the reason you you, you came to investigate. Yep, I had a friend that was actually putting on tours and doing things with uh, with a tour uh, company, and he asked me to come out and give my hand uh, with the group. So I did that night, and uh, but it was you know just going through the building. It was a cool building. I'm like, I'd like to come back here sometime and uh, just check the place out again. But you know, not with all the all the junk they have stacked up in the rooms and everything. So. So when I bought it in 2014, that's the one thing we did. We got it, all the stuff that they had in there and just started getting rid of it all. Right. So was it quite a long uh, process, the renovation then? It was, uh, it, was all, it was not as long as I thought it was going to be because I bought it in May of 2014, and I, I kind of I threw out a, a post on Facebook that said, hey, the only thing cooler owning one hotter location is owning two. And uh, I posted a picture of Ashmore States that my phone blew up with a lot of friends that were involved with the paranormal. And, and so they all wanted to come out and help. So I started posting some work days that were going to be out here. And there was times I'd have 20 to 25 people show up to come out here and help us do stuff. And wow, nice. when I bought it, it, yeah, it was, it was incredible. The work we the help we got from the paranormal community. But <laughs> when, I, when I bought it, there was no roof, no water, no electricity, no windows, I mean, it was it was in bad shape, and most people would have said, "There's no way in hell I'm buying this place." Yeah, it sounds like it was a quite a task. Yeah, it took us a while. We uh, we said we bought it in May. I was hoping to have a roof on it by September. We actually had it on by June, and we started opening up for investigations because I wouldn't I wouldn't open for investigations while the place was not safe. Yeah. And um, I, I wanted it cleaned out, and I wanted it to look a lot better. So we had the windows replaced by the end of October. There was like 83 openings in the building that we had to replace windows in. So we did all that. I got that done by October. So I just had some great, great volunteers that came out and helped me. Uh, without their help, we could never got it done. But it was uh, it was a labor of love, and anybody that comes to this building just always wants to come back. I just had a girl that just booked her fourth investigation for this year. Um, just about two days ago. It's not Dr. Christie, was it? Souls, have you ever had no. Soul, Soul Sisters Paranormal? I, I've heard of them, but no, nope, it wasn't them. Oh, right. okay. uh, How does it work? Like if, uh, if I 
turned up tomorrow. I know it's a bit of a waste from Lancashire, but if I, how's it work, uh, like an overnight investigation? Is there like a certain... Is it structured in any way? Or? Yeah, what we do with our public and our, our private investigations is we start at 7 p.m. and it goes till 10 a.m. We don't go through with people. There's a lot of people that don't like that anyway. They don't want to be, you know, somebody walking through the building with them. There's some venues that do. We don't do that. We don't stay with you. Now... You know, I've got, I have three girls that pretty much like handle the investigations for me. If you want them to go with you, they, they'll probably do it for a while. Or if they, you know, have some equipment with them that they want to borrow, you know, they'll usually let you borrow their equipment if they want to. But, you know, for the most part, we just pretty much like uh, teams don't want to be bothered. We just open the door. And there's so many teams that come back, you know, numerous times that we're pretty much like, oh, hey, you guys doing it again tonight? You know, and uh, yeah, we open the door. It's like, have a good time. And uh, they kind of go in and, we just hang outside by the fire pit or something and just, you know, sit and talk or something like that while they're investigating. And then we have public investigations that we, we only allow 12 people in the building uh, because we like to keep our numbers small when we do them. And those are kind of the same way. We open the door and let people pretty much wander on their own unless they need some assistance. Then, uh, then one of the girls will help out as much as they need to. It's a, any specific rooms or areas that are have any notoriety at Ashmore Estates? Yeah, I had a, actually the girls that are in here right now doing the daytime investigation ask me, it's like, Where's, what's the best place to go to? And I said, you, you came to it, you opened the door, you came inside. So it, it varies all over the place. I will say that the boiler room seems to be an area that does not like female. And uh, they tend to have a lot of experiences down there when they're down there, especially if they're by themselves. And uh, there's other areas that, um, the hallways, we see there's a lot of shadow figures popping out of the hallways. Uh, third floor seems like there's, uh, I think there's some entities on the third floor that just um, are, are not real friendly. But then when they had the hospital here, and it opened up for the psychiatric hospital, the third floor was the area where uh, people, that was the worst of the worst. That's where they put the ones that had the most mentally uh, challenged problems because the offices were on the first floor. And when they were screaming and things like that at third floor, they didn't hear them down at the first floor. So they put them all the way to the third. So I think that's some situation we've had there. And uh, it, it just kind of varies. The rooms are all over the place as far as activity goes. And it can be one night it'll be the hallways. Next night it'll be like a kitchen area or maybe the women's and children's dining hall or the men's dining hall. But there are certain areas that seem like uh, they do produce a lot of activity. But what I enjoy doing is when people have gone through the building and they come back and they tell me about activities that they had, I like to try to tell them where I think they were when that happened versus just agreeing with them that that does happen. So I think it makes a, gives it a little bit more, uh, more beef and you know, puts their teeth into it a little bit more and confirms things for them when I can tell them where I think they probably were when they had that activity. Is there a particular kind of entity or presence that, is renowned or I suppose a lot of people kind of come across when they come and visit us all. There's, there's two that people like to try to talk to a lot and, and we think they do communicate with them. Uh, first being Elba, Elba Skinner, who actually was the reason that the first building was destroyed is she's the one that her dress caught fire in the original building on the property. Mm-hmm. And then she died from the burns she did, and the results of that fire. I think she stayed on the property and she's come to the, the uh, new building. And she wanders around you know, in the building. In fact, there's a uh, interesting, interesting story about a, a little girl that's about was about eight years old at the time that lived down the street. 
And she would tell her mom that her friend from Ashmore would come and visit her, and they'd sing songs in the middle of the night. And uh, and Elva was coming down. She she told her mom once. She's like, I want to get hair ribbons just like my friend has. <laughs> my friend has hair ribbons. I want hair ribbons like my friend. Well, little girls today do not wear hair ribbons, and so there's no way she could be making that up because. It just it just happened. I mean, it was just weird that this seven or eight year old girl had this experience with the uh, you know with the girl here in the building, and um, had, she saw that she had hair ribbons in her hair like they would have worn back then. She wanted the same thing in hers. She also told us um, probably one of the creepiest things she told us about was her mom called me one morning and she said I was on a Monday morning. She said, "Hey, did were you guys in the building over the weekend?" I'm like, "Yeah, is there a problem?" And she's like, "No." She said, "But um, Autumn told us that was her daughter. Autumn told us that." Uh, her friend came to visit and said that you guys were there and you put Christmas decorations up. I said, yeah, we did. And she's like, yeah, she said she likes it a lot better now because there's lights are on. She can see better at night now. So it'd be always being dark. And I mean, you, it's, you can't make that stuff up. It's like, you know, this, this little, this spirit child is going down and telling this seven or eight year old what I'm doing in the building. And uh, I just find it just incredible that uh, she's talking to this girl and knows everything that's happening. How far away does she live, the little girl? Um, she's probably about oh, a quarter of a mile. All right, so nothing. I mean, I mean, if it's three hundred acres, would at mm. some point maybe where that little girl lives be encomp- be would have been encompassed within the grounds? Possible, possibly. Yeah. Well, when the original grounds were here, they had about twenty-five buildings. Including right. a school. Oh wow! So, yeah. So this little the girl that lived over here, um, all the acreage was sold off. The county sold it all off. So there's only three acres left here. So uh, this house, this old farmhouse, but the barn that used to be out in front of their house was part of Ashmore Estates or the Coles County Poor Farm originally. So there's a good chance that she would have wandered around the property, you know, in different areas anyway. And uh, the school would have been just pretty much across the street from where where they live. So she would have gone over there to go to school, but she seen the little girl out there and she kind of just kind of started getting along with her. But it was, she, uh, Autumn told her mom that uh, they were, her mom lit a, fire, a candle one day on the, on the counter in the kitchen and had a candle burning in there. And she came in and she put the candle out. She said, you can't burn candles. So why? That's what happened to my friend. My friend got hurt because of candle. You can't burn candles. And so, so she put the candle out and told her that, you know, no more candles. And, you know, it's just, I mean, the seven or eight-year-old little girl, there's no way she can make this stuff up. She's not reading about this. And I always thought that she was probably the best person we ever had to, you know, to talk about Ashmore States because, you know, she's, she's, she's just real about everything. She just knows what's going on and who she's talking to. And she never could spell the girl's name, but she said it started with an E and there was an L in her name, but she didn't know how to spell her name. And uh, so it's, you know, but yeah, so we just we assumed and we still think today that it was Elva. You know, this is a something a recurring theme we've heard about young kids mm. maybe having some sort of uh sensitivity. Yeah, sensitivity that we lose as we sort of hit puberty. And some people sort of carry on with a bit of this sensitivity and to most of us it's lost. Do you think there's a, do you think there's any truth in that when it comes to kids? So I, I think hundred uh, percent, my own, uh, my own, uh, granddaughter, she was over here. We were working on the building once in June of 2014 and 
she wanted to go in the building and she's her mom said no you can't go in there they're working on the building you, they don't want you in there because it's, it may not be safe for kids and she looks up at the window she's like well why is that little girl standing in the window why could you be in there if i can't be in there and then she said she's like the little girl kept running outside the front door she said she keeps coming out the front door how can she be in the building and i can't go in there? and you know so it's just it was pretty crazy that uh, that she's seen this you know too and i think what happens is that you know as a child they don't know what they're not supposed to be thinking that they're seeing as we get older we're thinking supposedly ghosts aren't real we taught that, that there's no such thing as a ghost don't worry about it you know and all like that and so you kind of put it out of your mind and you, you just kind of blow it off but as you get older then that your mind changes back but by that time you're not seeing them as much and uh, if at all like kids do but kids are very sensitive we hold kids days at the building and uh, just to try to talk to parents because parents think that their kids are having having psychiatric problems when they say they're seeing their, their grandfather who they've never met or something like that. And it's like, no, they're just seeing what they see and they're telling you about it. You just don't want to accept that they're they're right, that they are seeing it. <laughs> because we've been trained that you don't you can't see that stuff. And so I think that the, the kids are just being honest about it. They're seeing things that adults aren't seeing. Yeah, I mean, personally, I've never had like a, a paranormal experience with ghosts or any anything, but someone very close to me has, and um, she was a little girl at the time, and that was shortly after a relative's death. So, you know, maybe there is something in that. And uh, what about animals, Robin? What about animals and uh, psychic uh, sensitivity? Is that something you've come across? We've had a few people that have brought the animals into the building here. And there's two sets of stairs. Sometimes the animals will go up one set of stairs, but you've got a dragon to go up another set of stairs. They don't even want to go up that set of stairs. They just stay away from it. And uh, so, uh, yeah, we've had that happen quite a few times. We had a friend that uh, that brought his dog in one night, and his dog's very, very dormant, doesn't do anything, just kind of plays around. And they ended up stairs sitting in one room with them, and all of a sudden the dog takes off running and barking like crazy running down the hallway. And he's like, I've never seen him do that before. He said, so not sure what he was chasing. Maybe he's chasing another dog or something. I don't know. Maybe it's a spirit dog. Um, <laughs> we do know that there's, there's animals that people have caught in the building or that they've had EVPs. There's one, some friends of mine that caught an EVP with a, a young female child that said, do you want to play with my puppy? And uh, so, you know, they, they probably have spirit dogs that are going walking through the building and, you know, they, the animals are picking up on that as well. Uh, just, um, Robin, for people listening who aren't professional paranormal investigators like us for, <laughs> can you explain what an EVP is? Electronic voice phenomenon is basically there's something you're catching like on a recorder. Um, it could be a digital recorder, analog type recorder, reel to reel, something like that. Um, you can even, you, we tell people that you can use your phone. Uh, all you need is the voice memos on your phone. So you can record that. And they can usually, they span to different frequencies. So they're hearing it at different frequency levels than what we're hearing with our own ears. And that's what it picks up on a recorder versus what we can hear. Sometimes we can hear it with our own ears, but in most cases it's below our threshold. Yeah. Uh, Chris, I remember Dr. Christie saying they would uh, sort of set the recorder up in the middle of the room somewhere with a, like an omnidirectional mic. And then afterwards, after the investigation, they go back and review it because they would pick up things that they weren't hearing at the time while they were in the building. Right. Yeah. What I like to even do when I'm investigating is I'll sit there in a room and maybe spend five or 10 minutes in a room asking questions 
and since I'm not sensitive like a psychic might be, I'll go back and I'll listen to the recorder right then in that room. Because if I'm asking questions and I'm getting answers, you know, if I was a spirit in the building and I'm asking all these questions and getting all these answers, and then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to the room. Like, why did I just waste five minutes of my, of my dead life with you? <laughs> Time wasted. I, I answer all your questions. I answer all your questions and that's it. They're going to walk away from me now. And uh, so, so I was just kind of listening to them while we were there. I figured it's easier that way anyway. Yeah. Um, you, you told us about the, the little girl, the eight-year-old girl who sadly died in the fire. Did you say there was another um, figure who seems to be some sort of consistently getting reports on? Yeah, there's another gentleman, Joe Boxham, that uh, he was, Joe was out here and he, he wandered off to a, a business and relative. I think it's like Kansas, Illinois, which is only about, about eight miles away. And on his way back, he got clipped by a train. Um, he got hurt pretty bad. They brought him back here to the building and he ultimately died here in the building. And he's kind of stays around. It seems like he stays in the boiler room and the maintenance room area. When he was actually living on the property here, they put him in charge of, uh, things like the grounds work and maybe like some maintenance work, things like that. He was mentally challenged, but the thought was at that point, if you give somebody that's mentally challenged a little extra work, Give him something that he can maybe think that if this is his own that he can work with, he'll uh, it'll help him out in the long run. And, and I think it does. I think it's uh, anytime you're giving somebody that has some mental disabilities and you give them a chore, so to speak, and you show them how to do the chore, uh, they feel a little bit more accomplished when they can do that and get it done. And that's what I think Joe was. And Joe, um, he pretty much, I think he hangs out in the boiler room for the most part. But uh, it's, you know, people said they've had encounters with him in other parts of the building, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. You know I can't prove who it is one way or the other, you know, in these buildings. And there's, it's just, there's no way to know. Yeah, you need to get that seven-year-old girl to have a chat with him. How, <laughs> exactly. How, how do you think Joe manifests? Is it a shadow figure thing or EVPs or... Um, a little bit of both. I think that he does come out for some uh, shadows. There's a uh, there's a gentleman that uh, that I know real well. That helped me out quite a bit. That he was down in the boiler room one day, and there was these two girls that were having encounters with Joe. And Joe doesn't seem like he likes girls in the boiler room. He doesn't like them down there. I think basically, I think the reason behind that is that he thinks that women need to be in the kitchen, not in the boiler room. That's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) This is my area. This is my work area. You need to go to your work area. And uh, so girls have a lot of experiences in that, in that room down there. And he'll, uh, he'll pretty much like one out of there. But uh, the the one gentleman, he was two girls were down there investigating one time and they were getting some really bad feelings down there. And and, uh, so he kind of stood up and kind of puffed out his chest and, uh, and pretty much said, Hey, you're going to bother me. Why don't you bother me? Quit leaving these two girls alone. And the girls told me that his feet came off the ground about six inches and he flew backwards Sweet. and almost hit the steps of his head. And, uh, now you have to know this guy, does this guy weighs about a hundred pounds soaking wet? And, uh, so, I mean, for him to even want to get in the middle of a fight with somebody, would be like, are you kidding me? Why, why would you think about doing that? Let alone something you can't see. And <laughs> he still says to this day that that's what happened to him down there. And that it was, it was crazy. And he, he thinks that that spirit could hurt somebody if he wanted to. Um, 
I believe in this, but then I'm, I don't go that far to think that maybe a spirit could hurt you. He wasn't beaten up by the two girls, was he? He's <laughs> <laughs> no, just too ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they might have told you took him seeking for a little flight there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they sent you flew backwards. But I do know a gentleman by the name of Brad Kling who used to have a TV show called Ghost Lab. And Brad was down there in the boiler room. He was calling out that spirit one night. He was down there. He was doing a documentary uh, for his Strange Curiosity episodes that he was doing. And he was calling out that spirit, telling him to come forward. Why don't you mess with me? Brad's about 6'5", weighs 300 pounds. And Brad said that he never felt a spirit come at him or anything. But he said it got ice cold in that room. And they had data loggers down there. And you could watch the data loggers drop 25 degrees in the temperature I mean, it went from like 77 degrees down to like 52 degrees in that room. And you can see his breath. It was the middle of June. And uh, he said it was hotter than hell down there. But all of a sudden, it got really cold. And, and you can see his breath and everything in that room. So he said, I think there's something down there. He's like, I don't know if it was Joe. But he said, it was definitely somebody trying to get my attention. That's a common sort of thing we hear about, isn't it? About the temperature dropping. Mm. I mean, um, is this something you also do when you're investigating? Do you set up like um, like remote thermometers up in different rooms? Is that something you monitor for? I have not set them up myself. I've taken them with me with like a millimeter or something like that. I've taken them with me when I've gone to different rooms to kind of monitor that. But uh, other teams do. Uh, every once in a while, they'll take something with them to see if there's a temperature drop. I use a, uh, myself, I'll use a thermal imaging camera a lot. Uh, when I'm in a room, so I can see, you know, I've seen situations where I've caught figures that the temperature has dropped, you know, 20 degrees or so um, from what the rest of the room was like. And uh, so, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's strange when that stuff does happen. What sort of um, experiences have, have you had, Robin, in Ashmore's? Um, I've heard voices when I first bought the place. We had a pigeon problem because there's windows were wide open, so the pigeons were living in the buildings. So I'm, I'm trying to get rid of these nasty pigeons, and I had a pelican out there shooting pigeons. And I heard people walking up the back stairs. And I went over to yell down there to find out who it was. There's nobody there, but I could hear voices say he's up shooting pigeons, and uh, which was strange because I'm, I'm not investigating, I'm up there doing a job, and I'm thinking about that. But you know, we've heard uh been on the first floor and we were sitting here having lunch. It's just like three or four of us when we work on the building and we hear voices coming down the hallway, we hear footsteps and conversations coming down the hallway. Um, we've seen shadow figures, you know, throughout the building. I've seen it myself. I've seen shadow figures myself. My wife heard somebody yell Robin one time when she was in the building, a uh, female voice. And she was the only female in the building. And it's, you know, we've just a lot of voices. Um, and then shadows I've seen myself, but, uh, it's it's strange when you're in there. I, I had had I had one experience where I was on the third floor, just right after I bought the building. I was hooking up electrical, running electrical throughout the building, and something kept telling me to leave. And I'm not sensitive at all. But the longer I stayed there, the more it got pushy and pushier. And finally, I'm like, okay, if you guys have a party and I'm not invited, I'll take off. That's cool. And uh, so I I left. But it was uh, it never happened since. But the you know, so that was about eight years ago when that happened. And uh, like I said, nothing nothing like that since. But I think I think when I bought the place, they were probably a little apprehensive because we were tearing so much stuff down that the spirits in the building, they thought, is he going to tear this building down or what? But as they seen, we're doing more and more positive things to the building. I think that the whole attitude of the building itself changed and that it's, uh, it's there's a lot more cooperative as far as the spirits go. They're not cleaning the building up for me, 
but at least you're talking to people. You'll have to start charging them rent, Robin. <laughs> We've tried to do something like that. Yeah, it's not working. <laughs> Don't forget that they're here for a poor farm. They don't have any money. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> so uh, that kind of suggests then is there some kind of spiritual link to the building then? So if the building wasn't there or, you know, if, if nothing was there, then there would be no spirits kind of thing. Well, I think a lot of the spirits are just attached to the property itself. Right. And uh, so they're here no matter what. And uh, I think like Elba, because she wasn't from this building. She was from the prior building. Mm. So she had to come back just to the property. And we have we actually have people that have investigated on the grounds itself and had encounters out in the grass areas. So it can happen about anywhere. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've got Salmsbury Hall a few yeah. miles away from us, and there's the famous white lady, isn't it? The white, white cloaked yeah. lady of Salisbury Hall, and she's a she's a an alfresco ghost, an outdoor ghost. Oh, is yeah, she? Yeah, she, yeah, she walks oh. across the garden. Yeah, she's right, not. Okay. That's well, that's where people see her. I've yeah. not seen her. But the other one's Chingle Hall. Yeah, isn't Chingle it? Hall, yeah. Chingle Hall, yes, that has a famous cold spot. Play <laughs> <laughs> a certain room, a certain corner, where many many people over the years have um, reported this sort of. Yeah cold feeling of dread and that's the one with the broken window right (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, we got a few we got a few up here scotland's probably littered with haunted stuff i think up north castles and whatnot i found it really interesting how you described like the chain almost like a changing attitude I think you said the word cooperative, that they were more cooperative once they'd sort of figured you out and that you were, you know, cleaning the place up. And was there reports previously to you taking over of um, people having more sort of negative experiences uh, or more frightening experiences? There was one room in particular called Mary and Margaret's room um, that... They would have, that was the only room that actually had one window. When I bought the building, there was that was the only room that had a window in it. Well, people would put plywood up over top of that window and just cover the window up. And they said the reports that the plywood would just come like just falling off the window out the ledge up there. It would just like get pushed off or pulled off. And uh, I think it was pretty much so that somebody could see out that window because, as I said, that was the only window in the building. But since I bought it, you know, people still used to try to put the plywood up on the window and the plywood never never got pulled off. And I'm like, well, look at this way. There's 80 other windows they can go look at. They're not going to play your little game any longer. It's, uh, you know, they, they enjoy it now. They can do this other. And so there's all the windows that uh, that are there now compared to what used to be. And I've had psychic friends of mine that have gone to the building that told me originally when they came through, when before I basically the first weekend or two that I bought it, and said that the spirits in the building seem like they like it. They like living where they're here. It's the only place they know because they've been there so long, but they just wanted the building taken care of. And they did see that happening where now they see that happening. So I don't know if they're cooperating with people when they do investigations because they know that we're still trying to maintain the building or if they're doing it because they're just happy to see people. Um, not sure, but uh, it seems to be working out. I mean, the group that's in there today is during the daytime investigation. They, I was sitting downstairs there, and they were all telling me that all kinds of uh, you're having a lot of experiences throughout the building, and that they were pretty excited about it. And that was only after about two hours they were here. Wow! It, I mean, it sounds incredibly consistent the way you're describing it. The amount of um, 
you know, experiences of people are, are having, which sounds pretty unique to me. It seems that it seems to, I get the impression it's very hit and miss with um, teams who go paranormal investigating, but from what you're telling us, it sounds like there's some serious consistency going on there. Yeah, it seems like it is. It seems like there's a, a lot of the building in certain areas. And that's why I said I always like to tell people where I think they were when they experienced something. Um, for instance, uh, Nick Croft Tour was here in 2015. They came down to the investigation, and they've been back since then, too. But in 2015, uh, Lee came downstairs and told me, he goes, hey, he said, I got a shadow figure. He said, I got to show you. I said, I got the shadow figure. I want to see what it think. I said, was it on the third floor by that white door? And he's like, and he's like, he looked at me, he turned white. He's like, I'm not sure what's creepier now, what, what I caught or that you knew exactly where it was. <laughs> and I said, well, it's happened up there before. I said, so that doesn't surprise me that you didn't, that you caught it. And uh, so, yep, so he showed, he's like, yeah, that's exactly where it was. And uh, yeah, the desk group from Destination Fear, they caught a shadow figure and they were out here in November of 2015 and uh, walking across up there on the third floor. And we've had multiple people have seen the same thing. So um, it's we get a lot of repetition with things that happen. If it's a residual, I'm not sure, or if it's intelligent just coming out. Uh, I don't know, but it seems like it happens a lot. What about um, more sort of poltergeisty manifestations like furniture moving, plates falling over, that sort of like really sort of hard physical manifestations? Have you any experience of those there? We've not seen a lot of that. I do know like the one year that uh, once again, the Nick Rapture was here, they were set up uh, on some scaffolding. They had a microphone and speaker set up on there and the microphone, when Lee turned his back, picking something else, the microphone ended up about 10 feet away from the scaffolding, like it flew off the scaffolding and fell to the floor. Um, so I'm not sure what that was all about. Uh, the, a tricycle we've had in the building has been, they've actually caught that on camera moving. Um, but we've not seen anything where somebody has like thrown something. Uh, rocks, you know, which a lot of locations see that. Yeah. Uh, rocks seem like they, they fly off every once in a while or, or get thrown. Um, nothing nothing bad it's just a matter of, like people say that they've uh, they've seen rocks that have like felt their feet or thrown across you know bounced across their feet or something like that um i did have one gentleman years ago that uh said he felt something hit him in the back when he was doing a tour and he turned around and looked and there was a penny laid on the floor and he picked it up and it was from like 1920 something <laughs> and the, the the tour guy was with him i said did you get the penny and she's like no i didn't think about it i'm like oh the guy gets hit in the back of a penny from the 1920s and you don't ask him if you can have it. It seems like it was kind of weird because the building was built in 1916. So it was probably from around that time frame. Yeah, it'd be worth a few quid as well. A few bucks, rather. <laughs> On eBay. So, yeah. <laughs> if you're renovation. penny. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I just don't know. You know, it's like... I feel um, I've never had any sort of personal experience. I mean, to be honest, I don't go looking for it. I must be one of these people who's just psychically dead inside. <laughs> I just can't pick up anything, man. Well, have, you, have you got any, like, techniques? Has anyone sort of thought of a, a sort of ways or means of improving your sort of receptiveness? I think the, the longer you're doing it, the more receptive you become to it. Um, I mean, I... Uh, I've been doing this for about 15 years and it doesn't, nothing's changed for me, but uh, I think some people see things the longer they're doing it. But then I also think that some people just 
think they're seeing things, the longer they do it. And, uh, they seem to think everything's paranormal where I'm just about the opposite. Uh, just like out here at the building, people send me pictures and videos and things like that. And it's gotta be crystal clear without a doubt in my mind before I'll say, yeah, I think that, I think that's paranormal, uh, because it's just not, it's not worth it. I have, you know, work too hard to have a, a good integrity about things. And uh, I'm not going to sit there and tell somebody, yeah, I think that's your, you know, I think that's the spirit of the building when it's just probably dust particles in the air. Mm, yeah. I mean, did you have like a personal experience that set you off on this journey or, or why did you get into trying out your first? I had some, yeah, I had some friends that uh, I actually own an old movie theater and I built a house inside this movie theater. And uh, some people wanted to come out and investigate it. So I said, yeah, that's fine. Come on out. So they came through through the theater and the house and everything investigating. And they called me up and told me, it's like, we really didn't find anything, but we'll, we'll listen a little bit more and let you know. So then they called me about a week later and said, yeah, we need to get together and talk. So they came over and they let me hear some of the stuff that they caught in the building. I'm like, that stuff's pretty cool. I want to get involved with this. So, um, so I just kind of joined their group and started doing stuff. And, uh, you know, we've, we've encountered a lot of stuff since then. Uh, I, I have a lot of equipment that we use when we go investigating and it's just, um, I just always enjoyed it. It's just kind of fun when you go out there and try to find things that, uh, you just can't explain. I mean, the impression I get when we're talking with paranormal investigators is that it is like a community as well. It's very, seems very friendly and close knit and, uh, you know, people helping each other out. Yeah, for the most part, that's true. I think every once in a while you get a few people there that are just in it for themselves or for the fame and notoriety or they want a TV show. And uh, I've never I've never gone down that route, never really been interested in that type of stuff whatsoever. So, um, But, yeah, they're, they're always willing to help. As I said, we've had – if it wasn't for the people in the community come out helping us with the building, we never got as far as we did, as quick as we did. What are your, uh, your plans for the future, Robin, with, with Ashmore Estates? Have you got any uh, big things coming up or big plans? Or well, Right in the middle of building a house on the property. We had a mobile home that was out here and, uh, and a girl was staying there. So I built a house. We tore the mobile home down. We're building a house. And uh, I've got a friend of mine who's going to stay out here to just kind of maintain the property and uh, watch everything. But uh, that's it. We're, we're always doing the little things here and there to the building to make it more investigator-friendly. And, um, you know, so as those things pop up, we just kind of continue putting them together and doing what we can to help with that out. What do you mean by invest? How do you make it more investigator friendly? Well, kind of give you an idea what I've done too, is that, uh, it is three stories tall. And uh, so the, the issue then is camera wires. People want to run camera wires. So oh, they can of course. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I already ran the wires up. So they're already there on the third floor and the second floor. So they can just hook into my camera crew and have to worry about running their own up. They're already there. But we're even taking this stretch farther. We're going to put, uh, we're going to have 16 junction boxes on each floor with four channels. So you'll be able to hook up four different cameras and it goes right straight down. So with about a 25 foot cord, you'll be able to, to basically investigate any room in the building. And we're going to have our own DVR system set up where they can, they can basically just download copy of the entire night there and I could charge them for it. Just, you know, just bring your own thumb drive, stick it in there and you can download the entire night that you're investigating. That's, nice. That's cool, isn't That's it? That's really good. I mean, imagine um, for some teams, like half of the f- fun is like the setting up process. But I know because I've been in bands and stuff, it's an absolute yeah. drag, no, especially especially packing up. Ah, the worst. Right. 
That's cool. That is mm. cool. Wow. Yeah, we have all the cameras. I've got tripods. I've got the cameras. I'm just got to get it all set up and ready to go. And it'll probably be in the winter before I get a chance to finish it because I need to get the house done first. Okay. And uh, then I'll start working on this project again. And I started about a year ago, and it takes a while when you figure you got uh, basically there's 32 little boxes on each floor with eight wires in each box. I got a wire uh, times three. So it's uh, it's it takes a while to get it all done. But once I get it done, I think it'll be worth it for people. Yeah. Do you get a lot of people come in where it's their first investigation? Like not like the these sort of more established teams that are dotted around, but people who who, who choose your place for the first time. Yeah, we do. We actually get uh, in fact the group from Destination Fair, their first time they went out together was here at Ashmore States in, in November twenty fifteen, before they actually had the T V show Destination Fair. Uh, our public investigations, we get a lot of people that just come just because they want to experience something and, and they're hoping they see something. Um, every once in a while, you get a bad Google review where somebody will say, I was there for four hours. I didn't see anything. Well, <laughs> we can't make them tap dance. It was that easy. You know, to, uh, it'd be great, but uh, that doesn't happen. You can't make it always happen. You don't have like bachelor parties coming out there, do you? And things like that. <laughs> no bachelor, but we've had weddings. Right. <laughs> <Fly> me. <laughs> wow. That's ace. Who officiates um, a ha- like a haunted house wedding? A young priest well, and an old priest. <laughs> <laughs> we need a young priest and an old priest. <laughs> We've had a couple of people, and uh, my son actually got married out here, and uh, the lady that uh, she had, she was ordained minister, and, and she married him. But uh, we got another couple that are talking about it too, and uh, they asked me to perform the, uh, the ceremony for them. Oh, so wow. We'll see what happens. So, yeah, so it'd be kind of fun. That's legal, is it, in the state of Illinois? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can, uh, for twenty nine ninety five. you too can be an ordained minister. <laughs> Sign me up. Uh, I love America. You know, if I was going to move anywhere, it'd be America. Uh, yeah, I would do that. Twenty nine ninety nine. what a bargain. It's a bargain. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you can add that onto your Facebook page, Robin, you know. Yeah. Wedding officiations, weddings, bar mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs, funerals, birthday parties. Yeah. What did you say? Bachelor weekends? Yeah, bachelor weekends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, big things. And have you um, some open days coming up? We've got, uh, we, we were actually booked through the end of November with everything. We do have a, uh, a couple of public investigations next weekend, but uh, we have some uh, July 1st and 2nd. We've got some things coming on for that. Uh, but there's a few tickets left. We'll have, uh, we've got some guys from the Tennessee Rake Chasers that will be back up here in November. They're going to do a double header. They're going to do a daytime investigation as well as a nighttime investigation. So people can buy tickets for either one of those or both of them. Um, but and that's pretty much it for the rest of the year other than just our private investigations. We're, we're kind of booked between every Friday and Saturday until uh, late November right now. And uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. Wow, that's ace. If money were no object, we'd be out there, wouldn't we? We'd come in there yeah, with a little... Yeah, a few, thousand, few thousand quid spare yeah. for the flights and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a waste for us, but... Yeah, click I mean, that for- PayPal button. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fortunately, about, about 70% of the people listening are in the uh, the States. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you're out there anywhere near Illinois... Check out the website. Yeah. Mm, sounds really interesting. And I'm glad that it's so successful and that, you know, that's going to allow you to keep this going and, and look after the place and, you know, keep the keep it keep it going. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's worked out well because this isn't my full-time job. This is just kind of a hobby more than anything. Uh, it's kind of a full-time hobby, but uh, I just keep the money there just to take care of the building and change things and update things as we need to. So, in fact, I'm, I'm sitting in one of our bunkhouses. We have bunkhouses that we uh, we have set up in here so that people can stay. In fact, I can see if I can kind of expand it maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's oh, yeah. beds uh, in the in the room here. There's different, you know, we got four beds, air conditioning, yeah. heating, and everything in here. And um, so, yeah, that's what we do. And we've got four of these set up, or three of them set up. But uh, it works out well. We can spend the night if they want to, and they don't even leave the property. They just come back here and sleep. Mm, cool, yeah. So if you're traveling, you know, you could be traveling from a different state and, and make a night of it, make mm-hmm. a weekend of it. Yeah. <laughs> honeymoon. Yeah. You, hey, honeymoons. Honeymoons, Robin. <laughs> that's what you want to be that's advertising. Right, yeah. <laughs> what a great place to have a honeymoon. I do, yes. yeah. Yeah. Well... Is there anything um, you want to tell people before we go? Because we're knocking mm-hmm. up up to an hour already. Yeah, um, uh, just check out our you know, just check out our Facebook page, Ashmore Estates, or website AshmoreEstates.net as you go on the screen. And um, you know, if we can help somebody out if they're looking for a place to go, we'd be glad to do it and uh, see if we can uh, we can find the date that works for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you um, do you have a YouTube or anything? Do you put any videos out on any of the video platforms? I don't put it out myself. Reason being is that I think that there's a lot of venue owners that self-promote their location. I'd rather have everybody else promote it because they're the ones that are out here investigating. I don't want to go out and do it because then it looks like I'm, you know, people start thinking you're faking stuff or you're just putting stuff out there. You know, it's like, no, but in fact, when I do events and conventions and stuff like that, if people ask me, it's like, this place really haunted. I usually tell them, go talk to and different people that are at that event. Go talk to these guys and see what they think. I said, you, I, I'm supposed to tell you it's hard, but you need to go talk to them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, that's, uh, I guess that's a soft sell type approach rather than, oh, this thing's just, you know, it's terribly, it's so haunted, you wouldn't believe it, da, 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 all this. But <laughs> just go talk to some people that had experiences there that, that paid to come, that had experiences, and they don't, they're not paid staff to uh, just to answer questions. Yeah, it has so much more weight to it when you're hearing this from like the, these teams, these well-known teams across the country who go around the country looking at these different places. You know, if, if they're telling you that there's stuff going on here, it holds a lot more weight, doesn't it, that, rather than the proprietor saying, come here, it's mad. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're, you're on the right line. Uh, yes, yeah, somebody posted recently, it's like, uh, Ashmore State, team, have you been there? Should I go? And Nick Roth actually posted this awesome location. You should make sure you get there. And uh, it's like, when you get endorsements from Nick Roth, you can't do better than that. Mm. Oh, that's cool, man. Chris's brother. Is that Chris's brother? Chris Rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know Nick Rock. Is he Is he um, um, a well-known figure in uh, in the States, in the paranormal investigating oh, yeah. community? Nick was on the, uh, Nick started Ghost Adventures, the TV show Ghost Adventures. Right. Ah, and so uh, that he's been doing stuff. Yeah, and uh, actually, in fact, it's it's not even available in the U.S. It's available in the U.K. He's got a show called uh, Death Walker that's, uh, that's been on in the U.K. And uh, yeah, Nick's been doing that. He did another one, Paranormal Knockdown, with uh, Katrina Weidman. Um, but, yeah, he's he's a very prominent figure in the paranormal. Right. A, a wonderful endorsement. Mm, Fantastic. Well... We'll, um, we'll sign off for part one. All the links will be in the show notes, guys. Ashmoreestates.net on the Facebook page. Check it out if you're, if you're in the, you know, the Illinois area, I would say. 
Definitely. Okay, Robin, thanks so much for joining us. We're, um, yeah. we're going to sign off for this part. Just stay on the line for us for one minute while we uh, play ourselves out. And uh, thanks for joining oh, yeah. us. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Robin. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Me, guys. Pleasure. Thanks very much. Right, then we're back. The Dwarf, the Cripple, and the Mother of Madness. That was our chat with Robin Terry from Ashmore Estates. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Robin Terrifying then. <laughs> terrifying, yes, Terrifying mm. Terry. Yeah, you know, I always like a good ghost story and haunted house slash... You said it wasn't an asylum, was it? So did no. he say a mental institute? Hospital. 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 Okay. Yeah. And a poor farm. Yeah, learnt, learnt a lot mm-hmm. tonight, which always helps. Yeah. It's not hard, really. I don't know much to begin with. <laughs> it's nice to know about different things. A little but, bit of learning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks to author, um, investigator, and all-round good egg, Mark Anthony White, for uh, setting this up for us. Mm, yeah, you can you. Uh, you can get his books. Look, there's two here. That's Let me get this up to the camera. No one can see that. No, oh, it's too shiny. Read them out. The books are so shiny and physical. Phil has polished them so so many <laughs> times that. Reflecting everything. Turtle wax. The Spirit of Cornwall, A Haunted Legacy, Volume 1, Volume 2, by oh, Mark Anthony White. Yeah. Um, charming. <laughs> charming, I would say, Mark's uh, writing style. Oh, Like, I remember reading the... I'm reading the second one at the minute. I remember reading the first one and reading his introduction to the first one, and, and I was like, God, I want to move to Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> you really get an, a nice feel of uh, the area and the culture and the, the landscape and stuff very good yeah so uh, check them out on amazon i need to remember to do a review as well to do a review yeah that always helps mm. like for us yes right so uh go and go since yeah if, you, if you're in the illinois area checking out links in the show notes as ever for the website ashmore estates Right, let's uh, let's move on. Capital letters, a big news story. We're not doing any housekeeping. I thought we'd uh, mix it up and do it in a, shortly. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Strap yourselves in. Yeah, just some headlines of the week. Let's see what we've got this week. It's yeah. been a hot vein <laughs> of. Uh, here we go. Bigfoot sightings could be hurry inbred humans with bird feet and claw hands. I mean, it's as least as likely. <laughs> it's a, a Sam Squatch. Exclusive. A Bigfoot humanoid researcher says terrifying sightings may be of isolated inbred tribespeople Whoa. born with several genetic abnormalities like ex- excessive hair and bird feet. And that's from a researcher who's a humanoid. <laughs> yeah. There was, uh, in the article, there is some uh, pictures of people in sort of isolated tribes and they literally have claw feet. They have, their toes are manifested into three prongs, three bird prongs. What? No. Yeah, yeah, well, links in the show notes, folks. (laughs) Go and check it out for yourself. Uh, Let's see what's next. Okay, we're just moving on from there. Yeah. Okay. I've, uh, I've, I've nothing to add. Okay. Smelly erection covered in strange sticky substance upsets neighbours. Yeah. Ooh, uh. I have to say, it's hard <laughs> right now 
<laughs> let's uh, let's take a look at this one. Let's dive deep here. <laughs> Two months ago, Sophie Johnson, 29, was alerted to a letter attached to a nearby lamppost, which stated several large telephone poles would be erected on her street. She and five other residents complained to Openreach, that's the company that runs our telephone network, about the lack of consultation and the placement of the poles, but they were put up short, shortly afterwards regardless. Sophie said... Uh, where are they from? Older minute. Sophie said, I was working on Tuesday and all of a sudden they put this huge pole up. There had been no planning put forward for it. It's not just me, it's all the neighbours. We're really annoyed at it. We've just been ignored. And then we've all come on from work and there's this big pole there. My next door neighbour had a view of hills and now in literally every window in both our houses, all you can see is this pole. She also cons... She is also concerned about the smell of the pole. <laughs> After open reach, put this black stuff all over the pole and it absolutely stinks. That sounds like bitumen to me. Yeah, anti-climb stuff, maybe. Anti-vandal paint. Easy to... No. Uh, Sophie expressed a mixture of anger and frustration. Right, okay, anger and frustration. Adding, where was the consultation? We've all been ignored. An open-reach spokesman assured residents the smell was nothing more than a temporary side effect of the wood preservative and was not harmful. They said, We're building a new full-fibre network across Oldham to give residents access to gigabit-capable broadband. This ultra-fast, ultra-reliable technology will bring huge benefits to local families and businesses and boost the local economy. The new network already passes more than 10,000 Oldham homes and businesses who can now order some of the UK's fastest, most reliable broadband from their chosen provider. And work continues on the ground. It's just an advert for internet. Yeah. Is that an, a native ad? Big yeah. shout out to Tom Sanders, though, for the headline writing in the Metro, if he did that. A thing of beauty, wasn't it? Mm. It, was, it was indeed. We'll see what's uh, next. Another one? Oh, gosh, there oh, they are. They are. Oh. That's the giant the pole. pole. Oh, they, they are I mean, um, power posing. I was going to say, Theresa May stance. Yeah. Open your legs wider. Open your legs wider. There Thank we go. You. Ben, uh, in the past, you've uh, been a professional photographer. Would you <laughs> like yes. to comment on the way this shot has been framed? Uh, I mean, at least they're in the middle. <laughs> 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 With the pole. I thought it was a curious choice of framing. He's down low, isn't he? Um, but I, I've just assumed the gender of the photographer. But whatever. The camera is down low. And I, I think that's so that they can uh, see more of the pole, perhaps, uh, and highlight it against the, uh, the sunlit sky there, slightly overexposed. Wow, it's not raining. This is Manchester. Uh- but why are her legs so far apart, or her feet so far apart? They don't Power. need to be like that, do they? I suppose if she, does she, if she has her legs together, she looks a bit twee. Do an impression of the pole you're standing <laughs> next to. <laughs> you're tall, you're covered in sticky substance. <clears throat> You've been preserved. <laughs> Phone's buzzing somewhere. Phone interfering. Incorrect. I can hear it now. Let's just heard it again okay. once you spoke then. Anyway, let's move on. Woman who married Ragdoll has made a baby Ragdoll. She calls the child. 
Ragdoll Lover. <laughs> Mary Vaughan Rocha Moraes, 37. I can still hear it, that phone sound. I can't hear it. I can't hear it. I can't hear anything. My headphones are up the loudest because I have to be able to hear <laughs> the most, <laughs> the bestest. <laughs> Oh, God, woman who my ragdoll has made, a baby ragdoll, she calls, calls her child. Uh, Mary Vaughan Roca Mareyes, 37, complained to her mum that she was single and wanted someone to dance with. So she got a needle and thread out and created Mocello. Oh, my God, that's terrifying. <laughs> this is completely normal. Where does she live, Ashmore? <laughs> uh, I don't know, I might get there. Ashmore Estates. Yeah. <laughs> She said they fell in love and she fell pregnant. She even claimed that she put on four pounds during her pregnancy. <laughs> not a big baby. Uh, not wanting to give birth out of wedlock, she arranged a wedding in front of 250 family and friends before going on honeymoon in Rio de Janeiro. Rio. I think she's... Uh... <laughs> it's a terrible comment. Uh, Dear me. Uh, well. Well, he doesn't look very happy, does he? He's not. He's kind of like... <laughs> yeah. She said she gave birth to a new ragdoll in a 35-minute labour at home with a doctor and nurse present, and she said it was pain-free. <laughs> it was live-streamed online with 200 people watching. <laughs> Merivon said... It was a oh, no! It was a wonderful day for me. Very important, very emotional. He is a man I always wanted in my life. My life with him is wonderful. He doesn't fight with me, he doesn't argue, he just understands me. Marcelo is great and a faithful husband. He is such a man and all women envy him. You think your wife would uh, envy Marcelo? Uh, my wife would probably say he's probably more used than me, yeah. Yeah. When my mum made Marcello and first introduced him to me, I fell in love. It was love at first sight. I'll tell you what, this baby could be mine, though. <laughs> <laughs> that one over now. <laughs> mm. Oh, gosh. The wedding was a wonderful day for me. Very important, very emotional. It rained a lot, but it was wonderful. From the moment I walked down the aisle to the end, it was just beautiful. Then we went to the wedding night <laughs> with my husband, Marcello, and we enjoyed our very wedding night a lot. <laughs> Is it Tony Ferreira? <laughs> <laughs> We're going fishing, fishing for girls <laughs> in a river called love. We're going to catch fat ones, thin ones, tall ones, slim ones in a river called love. Do I remember that? Alan Partridge's uh, Steve Coogan special from 1999 or something? I know, yeah. Where have I plucked that from? Holy shit. He has so many great qualities, but the only downside is... Yes, like uh, the big conspirer says, his cock is made of a sock. (laughs) No, he's lazy. Oh. Oh, Oh my (sighs) God. I'm just... It's terrifying. He doesn't work at all, but I am a warrior and I keep going for us. It's true, Marcelo got me pregnant. He didn't take care of himself. He didn't use a condom. (laughs) He got me pregnant. I took the test. It was positive. I couldn't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it either. 
No. I don't believe it, uh, Mary Vaughan. She looks a bit like Eleven from Stranger Things. Uh, a little bit. Millie Parker Brown. Uh, Millie Bobby. Bobby Brown or something. Ray yeah. Parker Jr. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> oh, gosh. I didn't feel the contractions in pain. Seeing the placenta and the umbilical cord and the blood made it all real. I, I mean, where did she get that from? <laughs> <laughs> he was here in 35 minutes and he is great. It really upsets me when people say this is fake. It makes me so angry. Okay, I'm a woman of character. My father, my mother taught me to be honest, to be a good person <clears throat> and not to take advantage of anything. My YouTube channel is... <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel that in. Yeah, uh, I don't know what to make of that. It's just for money, isn't it? And the internet. Yeah, internet points. Mm. Bullshit! <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, hunkering yeah. towards... Bullshit! Yeah, I would say so too. It doesn't seem physically possible to me. Uh, I mean, it's unlikely. <laughs> she gave birth to a stuffed toy. Mm. Yeah. I mean, she was stuffed by a toy, though, first, so... Yeah. Who knows? Look how tight his belt is. <laughs> I'm worried about the kid's arms. <laughs> oh, yes. Giant red hands. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes um, babies can get, like, hair around the wrists. Sometimes if, if it's a boy around the winky. Right. And it can, like, go red like that. So maybe it's got something put around it, yeah. Someone needs to send her a message. Yeah, so but yeah. baby's obviously ill and you're mocking it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Because I get complaints. Yeah. <clears throat> What's next? Another one? Doctors baffled after finding 233 coins, batteries and screws in a man's stomach. I mean, it's not baffling, is it? Some fella's eating 233 coins, batteries and screws. <laughs> 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 How did these get here? <laughs> <laughs> Could they have not gone in the other way? Not to the stomach, I, would, I wouldn't suggest. It's a long way to go through the back passage. From Tipperary. Yeah. To Timbuktu. To, by to, the colon. By the colon. Mm. Burhan Demir from Ipek Yolu in Turkey took his younger brother to hospital after he complained about abdominal pain. <laughs> no fucking shit. Batteries abdominal are pain. But when doctors performed an endoscopy with ultrasound and X-ray scans, they were amazed to discover 233 items in the 35-year-old's stomach. These included one lira coins. <laughs> lira? Is Turkey on lira? Yeah. One lira coins, batteries, <laughs> magnets, nails, pieces of glass, stones and screws. This is obviously some kind of weird thing that he's done. I think it, it's more common than we we would think, this sort of eating of strange things. And now I know from, like, people do this as a form of self-harm, like wow. swallow batteries and nails and glass and things like that, but I don't know about coins. It could be anemic or something. I've heard, I've heard stories of people mm. on iron trying to, like, not going, oh, this is iron, <laughs> so I'll eat it, but oh, it's almost like a compulsion. Yeah, yeah. Because the body's... Mm. Needing it. Maybe. Swallowed magnets. I know, yeah. Would that not clump? Oh, I suppose some of them will be coppers, they'll be non ferrous, won't they? So, it's the batteries, um, though, isn't it? When they. Look, there's a Duracell there, advert. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Duracell. Yeah, yeah bottom middle. Bottom there, look. Sorry, I was middle thinking I was getting Duracell Durex. and Durex mixed up. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Oh, but that's like that when they start breaking down, burn your, stu- your stomach, don't they? What are those? Yeah, you up. Those um, like quartz stones, it says there on the caption. Stones. <laughs> Have you seen those nails? Yeah. Um, they're like at, four, at least four inch Possibly six-inch nails. And they're not being, like, filed down or anything, have they? How do you swallow a four-inch nail? Lengthways. Oh. Yeah. That's my wife. <laughs> that is... Uh, yeah, that's weird, man. I bet he's not had a shit for a while. Oh, my gosh. You'd be dreading it, wouldn't you? Do you think... They must have just been sat in his stomach then, mustn't they? All that yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, I presume so. Well, not going through the tubes. How much stuff? How many coins has he shat out? <laughs> well, that's know, the other thing, isn't it? Some, but yeah. I uh, I swallowed a ball bearing as a child. Did you? Yeah, steel ball bearing. And did you have to have your your excretions searched, combed? Yeah, <laughs> they had to be combed until the offending article revealed itself. Right. How long did it 48 take? hours later. Is it only two days? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Something mm. like... My youngest, he sometimes, he, you know, he he does like a, a two-foot turd every five days. Like the, the Lloyds Bank Coprolite. <laughs> yeah. Two inches thick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we went, he went to... We had a doctor's appointment the other day. I had to take him to the toilet four times. And on like the fifth, fourth or fifth occasion, he pooed like out about three metres of turd. <laughs> You don't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's like a massive one. Massive. It's like, uh, well, I'd probably say it's about a foot. It's probably about that big. How old is he? Three. And he's, he's releasing foot longs. <laughs> yeah, so but not, they're not like... Death charges. <laughs> they're only, I suppose, half an inch, three quarters of an inch wide. Oh, my word. It's like worms. <laughs> is that bad? <laughs> really? Yeah. Fuck. But long, yeah. This holds it in for days. Yeah. Weird. That's what kid, kids do, weird shit. <laughs> I remember my kid wiping his arse on curtains once. <laughs> Shot his pants, wiped his arse on curtains. On the other side of the curtains, the kid's side you never see. Yeah, what else are you going to do? <laughs> or, or smell. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Thought it was funny. Just uh, like his dad. <laughs> oh. Okay, uh, let's move on. Oh, I think um, that's the headlines done. Oh, good. We'll not do some. We'll do some housekeeping shortly. I want to do this uh, this uh, fabulous clip of the Premier of Canada, Justin Trudeau. Is he Prime, Prime Minister? Sorry, yeah, Prime Minister. Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau. He's questioned about because he's one of these fucking wef young global leader shills who's on the the global warning global warning. <laughs> global warning train and he was questioned you know he was at some environmental conference and he was questioned about you know what he does in his own household to uh, prevent all the the climate change and stuff and uh I was trying to pad while I find the video here it is and what do you and your family do to cut back on plastics yeah. uh, we uh, uh, we have uh, recently switched to drinking uh, water bottles out of uh... out of uh, I'm gonna go with uranium rods. 
Uh, water bottles out of? Water out of, uh, when we have water bottles, uh, out of a plastic, uh, sorry. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Away from plastic towards. Away from plastic towards. Plastic again. Not uranium rods. Um, I don't know, uh, gold. Wood. <laughs> <laughs> gold. <laughs> Platinum goblets. <laughs> Ruby encrusted chalices. Let's find out. Uh, paper, um, <laughs> like drink box water bottles sort of things. There's when we have water bottles uh, out of a plastic, uh, sorry, away from plastic towards uh, paper, um, uh, Dave, like drink is... box water bottles sort of things. There's uh, Who's been prepping him? Clearly doesn't do that. Just one question he wasn't prepared for. <laughs> the skulls. Vaccine <laughs> injured. Oh, God. The Lee, I guess it's Lee. This just yeah. won the internet with that comment. <laughs> Justin Trudeau's family drinks from the skulls of vaccine injured children whoa yeah it's, uh, it's comedy youtube censors mm. you know we can make jokes can't we no nine 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah what a clown <laughs> what a clown he is he wasn't ready for it was he is he the blackface guy he has oh when is he not in blackface <laughs> just keep coming out they kept coming out didn't they week after week it's like uh, he kept apologising and then some new one would come out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't, I don't get it. It's, it's fancy dress. <laughs> it used to be fine. You know, I don't get it. Should we do something else? There was uh, some protests. Did you see the cost of living protests uh, in London? I think it was last weekend. No? <laughs> Can yeah. anyone see it? What were they protesting about? The cost of living crisis. What? <laughs> the, the, uh, What's inflation. that? Inflation. <laughs> Not even heard of that. You not heard of it. No. Everything, the price of everything's going up. And uh, wages aren't keeping up. Oh. So uh, people have to tighten the belts. So if you want to be an executive producer, it's £75. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, these protesters on the March in London have, have got it figured out. It's Ho 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 Chi Minh, Che Guevara, Stalin. I was disappointed they didn't get chairman, the chairman in there, Chairman Mao. Mao, Mao, Mao. Let me get my history right. We need Mao. Was Ho Chi Minh Vietnam guy? Yeah. Not Stalin was Russian. Yeah. What was the other one? Hitler. <laughs> che Guevara. Che Guevara, right. They're all Marxists. Yeah. Right, okay. I mean, if they got um, the chairman, Chairman Mao in, he's already got Stalin. I mean, they, you've got... How do you the... pronounce his last name, though? Who? Mao Zedong. 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 Mao Zedong. Yeah, if you got <laughs> him and Stalin in there, you would have the two individuals responsible for the greatest number of human deaths in the history of mankind. Yeah. You know, why not work him in there? Yeah. Poor. Well, uh, poor. Yeah, poor do. Amateurs. Amateur Marxists. Are they Marxists? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Maoists. saying words now. Are they, are they not? Because I'm literally a communist. Mm. Well, where was that, London? 
horrible, horrible place. <laughs> right. Fuck. Right, move on. Mm. What do you want to do next? I don't know. So now you're controlling this shit show. Okay. Um, oh, should we do Nadine Doris's treat? Yeah. Yeah, just downstream it. This was great. Uh, yeah, famous for downstreaming her internet. Nadine yeah. Doris, she's the Minister for Culture, Sport, and media, the internet. Online <laughs> media. What's she? Culture. So sexy. your football pitches as well. She downloads some of your football pitches. Oh, yes, yes. Um, right, so um, Bojo lost to... Bojo the Clown, our dear leader, the Prime Minister, lost two by-elections this week, so he's under fire again to resign. Yeah. And uh, Nadine Doris is a Cabinet Minister, Culture, Media, Sport and Digital. That's the one. Slash celebrity. And yeah. author. <laughs> Dreamweaver. <laughs> Visionary. <laughs> and... Uh, She's one of Bojo's biggest supporters, so whenever he's taking a pounding in the press, she's always one of the first to come out and support him and back him. Like Goebbels. Yeah, she she did... Uh, I love this tweet of hers from earlier in the week. From Nadine Doris. This government will remain relentlessly focused and continue to deliver for people during a post-pandemic, mid-war, global cost-of-living challenge which no prime minister or government has ever faced the likes of since World War XI. <laughs> <laughs> I missed the, the nine wars in between. Did you I, miss them? I, yeah, maybe. Maybe there were all these kinds of secret wars that we're not party to. Proxies. Maybe yeah. that's WrestleMania 11. <laughs> <laughs> Nature Boy. Woo! Rick Flair. Mojo Flair. <laughs> Awful. Awful people. What, wrestlers? <laughs> Just, you know, Nadine Doris, Bojo. Yeah. There's a lot, isn't so there? So far up each other's asses. Oh, God. I'm finding, I've said before, I'm finding the whole Boris Johnson thing a bit weird now. Like he's mm-hmm. like a bit of a despot. It's tiresome. Yeah. What did they call him? Didn't they call him a Tim Pot despot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is getting to, kind of getting to the stage now. It's so ludicrous that it is like, is kind of a, this, how you kind of for me how you would view it another nation's dictator basically yeah it makes you wonder how we are seen as a yeah. nation by other nations so much scandal around him and it just give more need more it's nothing unique do you remember Berlusconi well yes yeah, do you remember Nicholas Bunga 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 it's Nicholas Sarkozy he yeah. was up on corruption charges yeah they're all the fucking same, guys. Yeah. They're all the same. So some of them get away with it better than others. Mm. They're all sociopaths. <laughs> they all need removing. <laughs> if you want that job, you shouldn't be in it. That should automatically exclude you if you want that job. <laughs> Simple as. Perhaps they could do like an X Factor thing. Ooh, who would Select be the judges? The who would be the judges for Despot X Factor? I don't know, you'd have to have the audience vote, wouldn't you? Which would be the electorate. Oh, that's that, uh, that not like what we have. Well, <laughs> you'd have judges. That's only part of it, though, isn't it? You'd still have the judges vote. The and judges. I don't know who they would be. And then uh, you'd have the public. David Attenborough. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, well I, I'm so... Um, I'm, I'm so relieved to get through to judges' houses. <laughs> and uh, I'm just getting ready. Fit, fight, 
Ready for the public vote. What? It's not Boris Johnson again. Don't forget to... Uh, wait, wait, what, what? Are you downstreaming this? <laughs> Don't forget to downstream this. Leo Netflix. What, what? Who would be the judge of it? On your Netflix. Netflix. Who'd <laughs> mm. be the judges? So if you had to make... Question. All right, here we go. Hypothetical. You have to select a panel of three people to choose our leadership, political leadership, who yeah. would be on that panel. Uh, I think I'd put the Queen us. <laughs> the Queen? Yeah. Why? I think she I think she's that would be like mad as fuck with loads of the Prime Ministers. She'd despair at them. Yeah. I agree. I don't, Brian <coughs> yeah. May and uh Brian May. Taylor. <laughs> Is John Deacon. <laughs> you would have <laughs> the members of Queen. Yes. The living members of Queen to yeah. decide, I think. <laughs> yeah, like Matt said. Okay. I'll have um, Jasper Carrot, um, Eric Bristow, and Matt Letissier. Matt Letissier would be a good one, wouldn't he? Would he be eliminated because he's got a French name? It's from Guernsey. Uh, definitely eliminated. What is what's this? What, what even is Guernsey? <laughs> what even is it? It's a little island. Is it like the Vatican? In the Channel. Is it its own, or like the is city of like London? A, I don't know if it's an overseas territory. Like the Falklands. Yeah. There was something in the news about the Falklands this week. Yeah, was it about some weird black slime or something? No, it's about, oh, yeah, oil. Yeah. Right. Our oil interests <laughs> there. Well, that's why like, it was protected, wasn't it, apparently? Because of the potential yeah. for deep sea oil. Yeah. I mean, you usually only find the you only usually admit to these things thirty years after the event. Has it ever been drilled, or is it too far down there? Because that was the case, wasn't it? They were sort of saying that continental shelf sort of went out to the islands, basically. Argentina um, claimed sovereignty. Sovereignty. I can't speak. I'm talking like sovereignty. That's why Argentina claims sovereignty money, Penny. Yeah. Off the Falklands. Mm. Trump, Uncle Klaus and Putin. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's, that's for, a, that's for a global government. This, we're just dark. talking the UK. Yeah. yeah. Trump. Well, he'd just select himself, wouldn't he? Of course he would. Yeah. In fact, all of those three would select themselves. Who are the most powerful people in the world? Right now? Yeah. Top three most powerful people. Yeah. Hugh Edwards. <laughs> um, I can't remember. They're all financial guys. Pete. Townsend. Yeah. The guy who runs BlackRock. Pete BlackRock. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember. You could probably put um, Zuckerberg might be in the top ten, you know. You'd have to be rich and influential, <clears throat> I guess. I don't know. Yeah, so it sort of goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Mm. When you're at that level of wealth, and you're a billionaire. When you can afford your own army. Well, that's what they said about Crassus. Marcus Licinius Crassus, wasn't it? Mm. What's his famous quote? Something about affording true powers, affording your own army, isn't it? You're not really rich unless you can afford your own army. There we go. Yeah. And he could. Who could afford But you know. Fucking stupid Parthian campaign, man. It's got two bigs for his boots. <sighs> it's always the same with the... God, what are we doing? <laughs> God, his legions lost in the fucking desert. Yeah, they all got... I think they, they, they got dragged out, didn't they? And they all died. His Sorry. son died first, didn't he? They killed his son. 
And then that's when morale, morale dropped then from Marcus. Did you throw him off the barge into the Sarlacc pit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, he, he somehow survived, but just looked a bit paler. Got in the back to tank, he was fine. Lost all his acting skills. Lost all his acting skills, yeah, and had to... Uh, <laughs> had to carry a CV, a series to, by himself. Had to defer to a Chinese woman for the rest of his life. <laughs> well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Worst things happen at sea. Wow. <clears throat> Housekeeping. <laughs> Housekeeping. Oh, my gosh. It's a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. Some weird ways of doing this, and uh, my favourite, as always, is word of mouth. Mm. Share this shit with your nearest and dearest, or even complete strangers. Force it into their oral canals until they mm-hmm. cry and ask you to desist. Desist. <laughs> Cease your relentless forcing. Join the Discord. That's where all the cool things happen. Hey, I posted on Discord. I know, one (laughs) one post in six months. It's fine, that's a good rate. Amish Ben is a cheat of level one (laughs) in the Discord. Yeah. Um, Send us things on there. So, like, you know... You can send us videos. Dick pics. News articles. No no dick pics, please. No, you can't. That's against Discord. Uh, Reels will get shut down. Uh, Guest suggestions, corrections, addendums, memes, Instagram, show artwork. Go. Yeah, we didn't get any submissions this week, but luckily yesterday morning I knocked up this fine piece of Fantasticness. Oh, yeah. Well, you've, <laughs> see what you've done there. What have I done there? You've used a, uh, a copyrighted font. <laughs> you've used Harry Potter font. It's an homage. <laughs> There's a Ouija board as well. There is. Um, and it looks like Amish Phil's wife is clawing at the screen. As usual. Mm. Um, yeah. Is that actually your wife? Yeah, yeah, set it up yesterday morning. So come here, love. Just, uh, Just pretend like something. it's Friday night and you're running away from me at bedtime. <laughs> Towards the camera. It's not, it's not hump day. <laughs> and there's the, uh, I almost said the Ashmole Museum. Then. What's, what's it say on the side? Like, Albuquerque Brutals or something? Here? Yeah, does oh. it say Ashmore Estates? By any chance? Yes. Yeah. Right, okay. 83 windows in that place. Mm. Openings, he said. Oh, openings by me. Mm. I think that's successful enough. That's fine. Yes, good. It wasn't, it's not clever. It's not big and it's not clever, but, you know, it's it's effective, I think. But it's not right. Mm. Yeah, so uh, if you join the Discord, or you can email us artwork artwork submissions to the Inquisition at gmail.com. We have new show, show artwork every week. Every the podcast week. and it's uh, you know it draws the, it draws the eye, mm. doesn't it? it? Does when something new? You can leave us a review and then we read that out. Mm-hmm. We need more reviews. Um, <clears throat> you can ask for a focus chi request. Is your chi depleted? Do you have something coming up that you need more chi for? Um, you need to be open to receiving the chi. We don't want uh, the chi bouncing off you. Or you to be overloaded with chi. So it must be requested. Could be dangerous and messy, that. Mm. You could be leaking chi everywhere. Yeah. Got some, you, una, unawares. We've got some chi news this week. 
Okay. My, my Tai Chi master said that I had excellent energy flow this week. <laughs> No one's ever said that to me before. Was he giving you a rectal exam? I mean, that's just standard. (laughs) That's part of the moves, isn't it? He was using him as a chi puppet. (laughs) A tai chi puppet. Yeah. Good. No, that, but yeah, you know. How did you respond? Did you go (laughs) (laughs) and blush? I said, I gave a, uh, I don't know, I responded. Thank you. I think I gave a handshake. Do you not bow? Do you not do the. We do that. Aruman and. Sarot, Saruman, Sarot. <laughs> Saruman, and bow from the centre. You do, yeah, but I didn't do that at the end of the session. I just shook, uh, said thanks, shook his hand. All right, all cash like. Cool. I'd taken off my uh, tai chi robes at that point. Styling. <laughs> I think got a Chinese dragon on the back. Tai chi sauna. <laughs> I have got a uh, a kimono thing. That's a massive fucking dragon on the bike that I bought in China from a tiny old woman down a side street. So it wasn't one of it wasn't in a shop that had no people working in it. No, but it is it barely fits me to the point where it's you know obscene above the knee, and it, I think it's four XL. It goes just below the knee, just above the knee. You've seen Future Armor. So can they see you? You can't hanging down. I don't wear it for Tai Chi. <laughs> Put a pair of cycling shorts yeah. on underneath. The girl's so constricted. It might as well be a sumo sticking up my ass. <laughs> That's what they do in it, sumo. Don't they put the, the cock up their arse? No. To tie themselves up? No. <laughs> I thought they sort of ingested the, the junk. Well, there's like that. You, you can, can, like, you can push yourself. it back inside, can't you? Apparently. Right. And your balls. Oh, my gosh. Into a cavity. You need to watch this latest episode of The Boys. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, you can do that. Have we done... Uh, you can buy some merch. No, I left that because that's your favourite thing. Thank you very much. That is my favourite thing, Amish Matt. And you can buy a current grape T-shirt, three weeks to flatten the earth mug or T-shirt. Because I'm literally a communist. Hoodie. <laughs> yeah, link in the show notes for that. Yes. Mm, for the for the loot chest, the merch store. And... Um, you know, if you go down to the merch store today, you may be in for a surprise. <gasps> because finally, oh, after so long, it's happened. The bacon nuts have arrived. Oh, beautiful! All you Francis Bacon fans out there, <laughs> there's the t-shirt. I'm liking that. Yeah, uh, it's only uh-huh. twenty six quid. <laughs> I like, I like the, uh, that. I like is, the mug. That is premium. It's, that's not your standard. That's premium tea. It's twenty six quid. Hey, Cheap. listen, Matt. Cheaper than any other fuckers' premium teas on there. <laughs> All the prices are going up. We make nothing. We make £7 off that. I know. Do the mug? I think I'll, I'll, I I'll have a nug. I'll have a nug. I'll have a mug. It's nice, isn't it? Um, you can have it on white as well. Or black. My no, eldest black. son um, <laughs> had his first testicle pain today <laughs> when his younger brother hit him, was wrestling and oh. hit him in the nuts. <laughs> Get him one of these mugs, he might make him laugh, cheer him up, make know, him feel better. I know, yeah. How can you... Can you imagine taking that into the office? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh, we don't have offices anymore, do we? Shit. No. Never mind. All right, well, you could take this to your barbecue. <gasps> what? Oh, a pint glass. The old pint glass. <laughs> the old 16-ounce. <laughs> that is ace. 
ginormous schooner. <laughs> Again, sorry about the prices. Nothing can do about it. 15 quid. 15 quid. Hey, so I, is it in London, it costs £8 to fill that. Well, ah, well, there you go. Exactly. So, yeah, it's eight, £8 a pint? £8 a pint in London. Pint in London. Yeah. No, it's not. It is. Jesus Christ. You should get to keep the glass at £8 a pint. Well, you can buy one of these and just take it from, from pub to pub. They're not going to want to keep it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Thanks to Lee from The Big Conspire yeah, for producing absolutely. that artwork. I know it's taken me a while. He jeered me up uh, the other week when I was on the podcast. Yeah. He said, what, he asked me what was happening with the bacon nuts. I was like, oh, gosh. I keep forgetting. It's worth the wait, though. They, they yeah. were spiffing. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Have we done all the uh, housekeeping stuff? There's one other way. Is there another way to become yeah. a producer? We didn't even talk about what a producer is or anything. <laughs> but, you know, read the show notes <laughs> and find out what a producer is. Coins what? tosses a coin. <laughs> Toss a coin to your witch. Yeah, do it for the lads. The lads. 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 Because oh, we're northern and we're Toss bloody miserable and the weather's witch. fucking shit. <laughs> Save Plotland. Save Plotland. Yeah, go to Inquisition.com, find the uh, the donate, donate button there, and you can give us a one-off donation, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation, and uh, donations at a level of £50 or above. We'll grant you the rank, the status, the cachet, the, cachet. the degree of executive producer for that podcast. And uh, it looks spiffing on your curriculum vitae, your LinkedIn. And you become a producer. Yep. As well as a, an eavesdropper. Thank you. Thank you. Only you fuckers out there can save Plopland. Save Plopland. Oh my god, I've been doing this too long. Oh, I'm telling Nigel. And uh, another development this week. Um rather than go to the uh Amisinquisition.com pressing the, do- the donate button. I can't get any fucking words out. Where is me? Is it birds? <laughs> <laughs> um, you can buy us a coffee now. There's Ooh. a link in the show notes for that if you want to uh, buy us a coffee. I like coffee. Is there a coffee um, area on Discord? No. Perhaps we could talk about coffee. All right. And you can buy us, in fact, buy us three. Since there's three of us, you can buy us three coffees. Yeah, I like a flat white. I like black, no anything in it. I like the darkest, filthiest shit you have with double cream in it. Ooh, and oh, butter, and probably. Butter. Oh, and a stick of grass-fed butter and some MCT oil. <laughs> God damn it. That so, slow-release energy. So mid-tens <laughs> with your references. Yeah, I am, yeah. What was the guy? He was a... He was a oh, I better not say it. That would be uh, libelous. <laughs> Rip-off merchant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say his name I, or the company name, but I can remember it. Something about being bulletproof or whatever. But. Never mind. Um, okay. Oh, do we thank the producers now? No. Yes. I think it's time, isn't it? Yeah. Is it time? It's time to big up the man Dems. Yo. Uh, producers for this week we have Rona Kesson, Nicholas, Nomi Nosnodge, Lee, Helen, OBDM, Slicko, and Bunyan Thank you. <laughs> They are, yeah, so amazing in their love. Grab a stick and twist it! Oh my- it's for you, Mark. 
literally. The best mate. No bad butter. <laughs> the dwarf. The carrots. The grape. The homophobe. The winds. The asna. The crap chance. The number 11. The blind man. The fallen on the horizon. The cripple and the mother. From hell. Wait on. Chest feeding. It's not going to allow us to go completely back to normal. Thanks for your support for another week. Absolutely tons of stuff on the Discord this week. Mm. It's good. Having choice, lots of choice of uh, stories to go to. It's good, thank you. It helps. <clears throat> yeah, weighed down with shit. <laughs> good place oh, to be. Content. I like it. Mm. Way. Yeah. What's next in this? Oh my gosh, what are we doing next? Smelly erection, we've done that. <laughs> Tick. Uh, we've done the protests, we've done Dorries. Um, sticking with Nadine Dorries and the cost of living crisis, we talked about the uh, protests in London and uh, Boris under fire. We've had the rail strikes this week. Oh, yes, mm. the RMT. RMT Union. Yeah, I don't mm. know what it stands for. Rail. Maritime. Megatron. <laughs> Maritime and transport, is it? I think so. Oh, Union. Yeah. yeah, we've had massive uh, rail strikes this week. And uh, the, um, <clears throat> what do you call the head of a union? The... Mike something. <laughs> Lynch? Mike Lynch. What's his like, title, oh, though? Oh, no, that's Liam Lynch. Yep. Um, he is the head. What it's... was Arthur Scargill? Oh. Comrade. I'm asking. Ah, oh, whatever. It's the union leader. One of the union leaders, Mick Lynch, was on GB News this morning, uh, this week, and uh, he came across Richard Madeley. <laughs> oh. and Madeley had a bit of a partridge moment. Now, Mick Lynch, uh, who's the man leading the strike today for the RMT, is waiting for us at Euston Station. Mr. Lynch, good morning to you. It's going to be a busy day for you today. Um, can we just get one thing nailed to the wall before yeah. we get going here? Uh, you've been accused severally in the last few weeks of being a Marxist. It happened again last night. Uh, a backbench Tory MP said you were a Marxist with no interest in anything other than trying to tear down the government. Now, are you or are you not a Marxist? Because if you are a Marxist, then you're into revolution and into bringing down capitalism. So are you or aren't you? <laughs> Richard, you do come up with the most remarkable twaddle sometimes. I've got I to say. Say, well, 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 uh, I didn't say you were a Marxist. With, with I'm saying that you are being accused of being a Marxist, and that's yeah, not twaddle. That's, that's called reporting. No, I'm not. I'm. <laughs> No, I'm, a, I'm not a Marxist. I'm an elected official of the RMT. I'm a working-class bloke leading a, a trade union dispute about jobs, pay and conditions of service. So it's got nothing to do with Marxism. It's all about this dispute. It's an industrial dispute, yes. and that's what it's all about. Absolutely. I'm, I, I, I emphasise I am not talking twaddle and accusing you of being a Marxist. I'm merely quoting people who are, including many of the newspapers. Well, that's what it sounds so, like to me. Well, well, I'm sorry if it did, but I don't think it was. Um, but anyway, to be absolutely clear, you are not a Marxist. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. We've ruled that out. Yeah. It's great. Uh, Keep him on our screens forever, because, mm. you know, he's good, he's good value. Mm. Good value for material, you know. Next Prime Minister. <laughs> Putin, isn't it? Putin is Hitler. Putin is Prime Minister. <laughs> That's what we need. We need a mega mix there. Oh, yeah. Um, Putin is... I'm the son of the Pope. <laughs> Putin is... No, no, maybe not. I'm the son of the Pope. Hitler. Um, Putin is... The pregnant <laughs> 
Yeah, that worked. It did, didn't it? Yeah. I got hairy legs. I think Ken's got hairy legs. You could do Putin hairy legs. Putin is I got hairy legs. Yeah. Oh. Hitler. <laughs> Putin. I got hairy legs. No, Putin is, is Hitler. Here we go. Need the is. Putin is. I got hairy legs. No. Mm. Need to pause it. We save Putin this for the is, AGM. <laughs> Putin is hairy legs. Right. Uh, <laughs> I got the magic vaccine. That... I got the magic vaccine. That yeah. works. Yeah. yeah. None yeah. of it works. Fucking. I got. Hitler. Oh, you need that. I got <laughs> Oh gosh! Can you believe we're doing a podcast? Uh, no. no. Oh, what's it? Oh my God! What are you doing? What's it all about? Oh, you don't know what you're doing with the OBS. Stop. I'm just moving it. Assist. Uh, how, how come it moved? I don't know. It doesn't normally move. I was just going to click away. That shouldn't even be there. I didn't put it there. Click the it's X. fine. It doesn't matter. It work. It, it'll work. <laughs> it's all a scam. <laughs> yeah. So, Lee would say. Uh, hi there. Is this on? No. It's, it's because you've got two <laughs> denim shirts on. Three, that uh, one's a jacket. Yeah, three, three lots of denim. <laughs> How much denim does a man need? And denim underpants, because. <clears throat> <sighs> right, what are you doing? Give me ten good men and some climbing spikes. I'll impregnate the bitch. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Um, should we do um, some Joe Biden? Yeah. Why does it say double denim then? Because <laughs> oh. Lee's just posted it. In the uh, chat, I think you can close that. Just it's fine. Out. I don't want to interfere. Whoa! Just don't look at that bit. Go on then. What's the next one you got for us? Joe Biden. Joe Biden. I'm sure I had something from Joe. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh fuck. Right. Yeah. So we've got the MR and A jabs going ahead for six months to five year olds. <clears throat> right. Um, been given the all clear by the FDA in America. Not over here yet. Right. Um, Moderna is starting in September. They're starting the trial for th- uh, three months. Three month old wow. babies, yes. And um, Uncle Joe, sleepy Uncle Joe, was asked um, how it's all going to be funded, this, this new age group of jabs for kids. And it's here. Mr. President, are you uh, confident you have, I know you're looking for more money from Congress for this vaccine campaign and for for COVID funding going into the fall. Spoiler alert, they're always looking for more money, (laughs) by the way. Uh, How much of the supply of vaccines for these small children uh, is there and and how many of the nation's kids will you be able to get vaccinated before you need more money uh, from Congress? So how many kids are going to be able to get vaccinated with the funding you already have in place before you need to ask for more funding? Okay. Straightforward. Well, we'll get through at least this year. We, we do need more money, but we don't just need more money for vaccines for children eventually. We need more money to plan for the second pandemic. Mm. Okay. Second pandemic. What's the second pandemic going to be? I don't ask Joe. It's not really the second, is it? It's like the 9,000th. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've got everything now. We're polio's back, isn't it? Oh, polio, yeah. yeah Monkeypox. We had the... Um, Smallpox. The, the, uh, the liver disease in kids is not gone away. No. In fact, they've, they've found it in uh, 
33 different countries now. Mm. Okay, 18 kids in America died from the, the liver thing. They no idea what's causing it. Smith's phone's going off again. There's going to be another pandemic. We have to think ahead. And then- no, we have to think ahead. Right. I don't know what's going to be. Next pandemic. Um, respiratory again. Maybe they're just, he's just saying that there's going to be another wave. Yeah. No. It was just the way he said second pandemic. It just made me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the only one to pick it up. No. no. Um, serious for a moment. There's a new study out. Um, it's preprint, not peer reviewed yet. Um, seven authors, a mixture of MDs and PhDs, and the last author is a chap called Peter Doshi, who I'm sure we've quoted before because he's the head of the BMJ, sorry, the editor. Right. the British Medical Journal, and there's this new uh, study out entitled Serious Adverse Events of... S- oh, by the way, YouTube, I'm just going to be quoting from a study with no opinion here because it doesn't really need any opinion on it. Anyway, Serious Adverse Events of Special Interest Following MRNA Vaccination in Randomised Trials. Um, it was only posted on the 23rd, which I think was Monday or Tuesday, maybe? Mm. Um, so it's not yet peer-reviewed, and I've just got a quick screen grab of the abstract to go through quickly to give you an idea. Uh, links in the show notes for the full thing. You can download it for free. It's not behind any paywalls or anything, and it might be... If you're into this kind of shit like me, you might find it interesting. So, from the abstract methods, secondary analysis of serious adverse events reported in the placebo-controlled Phase three randomised clinical trials of Pfizer and Moderna mRNA COVID vaccines... Focusing analysis on potential adverse events of special interests identified by the Brighton Collaboration. The Brighton Collaboration is some sort of method agreed upon methodology of categorizing things. So they've gone through, back to the phase three trials for this stuff. The interim results on the basis of which the FDA granted emergency use authorization. That's the context. Results, Pfizer and Moderna mRNA COVID vaccines were associated with an increased risk of serious adverse events of special interest with an absolute risk increase of 10.1 and 15.1 per 10,000 vaccinated over the placebo baselines uh, of 17.6 and 42.2, respectively. So there's an increased risk of adverse events above the background, the placebo Mm. group. Okay, straightforward mm-hmm. so far. The excess risk, so the difference between the vaccinated arm and the placebo arm, the excess risk of serious adverse events of special interest surpassed the risk reduction for COVID-19 hospitalisation relative to the placebo group in both Pfizer and Moderna trials. That's interesting. So, what are they saying? That you're at more risk from the vaccine than the... According to this study... Than the disease. And uh, if you go and look at the full study and download it, these serious, these adverse events that they are categorising in the category is death, <laughs> disablement, right, okay. uh, myocardial infarction, yeah. blood clots. It's all 
hospital jobs. Mm. It's not a fever or a sore arm. It's a serious ones. Mm. Uh, discussion. The excess risk of serious adverse, adverse events found in our study points to the need for formal harm-benefit analyses, particularly those that are stratified according to risk mm. of serious COVID-19 outcomes such as hospitalisation or death. And the important point, because this, I always look at the funding mm. in these studies, this study has no funding. Mm. So they paid for it themselves. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be any conflicts of interest there. It'd be interesting then if it gets published. If it gets reviewed. Who's mm. going? Well, we had this with um, the Danish mass study. Mm. The journals are afraid. Yeah. They're afraid to publish it. Well, if he's the editor of the BMJ, then he might publish <laughs> it in his own... I don't know. I don't know if they're technically... I don't think they're... Are they technically a scientific journal, the BMJ? I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's the oldest British, one. The British Medical Journal. <clears throat> it's the oldest one, I think. It's been over, around for over 150 years. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, the point is it has to be put out externally mm. to peer review before they publish it. So, yeah. wait to see what happens. Um, I saw this... Like, people were commenting on this on Twitter and saying... Uh, this is like two years, this data is like two years old. This is from the, the phase three trials. Like we've given this to billions of people now. It's irrelevant, you know, playing it down. And if you read the, the study, they explain um, the, why they went back to the phase three trials, the interim mm-hmm. results. Mm-hmm. Because once these results were published, mm-hmm. the FDA get granted the EUA. And immediately after that, Pfizer offered to unblind all the participants and vaccinate the control group. Right. So they were meant to follow them for two years. Mm. But for ethical reasons, because it was 95, 95% effective magic vaccine, they, um, they decided to offer it to everyone in the trial. And so it sort of muddied the waters and tainted right. the results thereafter. And that's why they had to go back to the phase three interim uh Results. Interesting. Mm. See what happens with that. Yeah. See if we get. Well, good job we're not on uh, YouTube. We will be. It will be on YouTube. This, and I don't think I've offered any opinions there, mm. other than to say what the study says. And if you can't quote a study, don't care if it's a preprint. Are in the worst journal in the world. If you can't quote scientific studies on a video platform, then we're in a very dangerous place, aren't we? Because mm. what if it's true <laughs> and you're not allowed to talk about it? That would be a bad place to be in, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, yes, it would be a it terrible was. place. I agree. Anything more cheerful? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I struggle to, like, talk and read at the same time. So. And What do you mean, talk and read? Like, read what's next and talk? Talk and read? Is yeah. he, like, not um, in the Fantastic Four? <laughs> read Richards, is it not? Talk and read. Doesn't he get um, evaporated in the Doctor Strange thing? Spoilers. Oh, come on, man. Spaghettified. Um I watched that this weekend. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. It was it was fine. <laughs> it was just like a uh it was a bit there was a little bit of uh sort of weirdness in it. 
Um, you would hope so in the multiverse of madness. Yeah, um, but it was it was you know it was more of a spectacle, wasn't it? What's the memory store thing? That's, are you talking about my mind palace? No, I'm not strange multiverse. The pandas, <clears throat> the memory shop. Oh, Go and stand outside the memory thing, and it plays the. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. that's what it is. Perfect memory that you need right in that moment, or some some bullshit. No, your most meaningful memory. Yeah, yeah so some you sort of crazy uh, plot device. Oh, this magic thing where you stand on it and it gives you what the plot needs you to have. No, that's the the um, book of thingy. <laughs> that's that where the the, the book, the book of the, shadows. Gives you the weapon you need. No, the book of Visconti. Uh, book of Tony Visconti, yeah, isn't it? it? Book, yeah. yeah. Visconti. There's the death book, and then there's the light book, Visconti isn't it? Book, yeah. Um, and spoiler alert, he, like at the end, he has a third eye. It's not, what's what, you, the th- it's not what, what you think it is. What is the third? What does? What's the significance of the third eye? It was, went over my head. Pineal gland. Oh no, <laughs> meaning the film. Yeah. I don't know. Chakras and shit. Right. Okay. Nobody knows. Chakra. Chakra Khan. Chakra. I binged three episodes of Stranger Things last night. Well done. Really? Yeah. That doesn't sound like you. the Hellfire Club? <laughs> no, I haven't joined the Hellfire We should play D&D. By oh, yourself? I'll only say that once. <laughs> By yourself? She was out last night. So you watched three episodes? Mm-hmm. It's like ten hours. You're feeling all right? I've, I've heard really good things about the season four, so I thought I'd give it a chance. Okay, no, that's not about you, Phil. He wasn't that good. I thought the first episode was very good. And second episode was decent. Third one, it's dropped off. <laughs> I thought the first episode was great. It was a banger. Especially the way it ended with that what, that girl getting uh, twisted up on the ceiling. Oh. Uh, it's a lot better than the season three with the fucking rushes building an underground base under the fucking mall. <laughs> that ridiculousness. That was trash, that third season. I thought, yeah, they've, they've fixed a lot of it. <clears throat> right, fixed okay. a lot of it. I'm glad you're back watching television yeah. where you should be. It's not a, It's not like a change of... You know, if if certain reviewers who I trust say something is good, I will give it a chance. You mean you don't Simple. trust us? Definitely not you, man. <laughs> You'll watch any fucking old shit. <laughs> Christ. No discernment. <laughs> I watched Jurassic Park yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's the third one. It's all right. <laughs> no, no, you, said it, you said it was quite like the previous ones. The previous yeah, films. it's derivative. Right. Awful. I, mean, I imagine it, it, you could tell it would be awful. I mean, the first one was like okay, wasn't it? The reboot. I mean, like just about okay. And then I mean, you can get two more films out of that. Fuck off. Can't you? No. Oh God, Lee staring, Lee from the Big Conspire staring it up. Tell us about Obi Wan. I don't Again. know if we've got time. Yeah, I don't think we have. It's it's half past ten. Oh shit! Uh, there's so much wrong. <laughs> I've got like a page of notes on my phone that I I took while I was watching. Why are you it. writing notes, man? Because it's so stupid and shit, <laughs> and they're, they're treating you like a fucking moron, man. It's like don't watch it. Then. <laughs> Oh, but I enjoy deconstructing media. Ah. I enjoy deconstructing nonsense. Uh-huh. It's like when he I fucking... I can't believe you're taking notes. I saw notes. I watched it twice. I watched it the first time. 
I watched it the first time and laughed, and then I've got to watch this again. And because there was so much, I, I was losing track of what I'd seen. I was like, I've got to, I've got to write this down, otherwise I'm going to forget how shit this is. And then someone asked me, <laughs> and I'll go. To remember. Oh, it was all right. Fuck me. It's like... Um, can't get angry about this if I can't remember it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. It's like when Obi-Wan bails in his shuttle and he goes and lands. Right, okay, so uh, Star Destroyers don't have TIE Fighters anymore. They have to go after one or the other now, it seems. So they, they fucking go no, after Darth too fast Vader, Darth Vader commanded him to go after... Commanded the ship to go after Obi-Wan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. And yeah. he wanted to have a, a lightsaber battle with him. That was the one. Oh, yeah, it was a plot device. Yeah, this is, it's all, none of it makes sense. But it's he, a wa- plot no, he, wanted to, he wanted to fight him, didn't he? Yeah, why didn't he get his fucking shuttle and follow him then? Well, take the whole ship, man. Well, just let the rebels get away. Mm. Well, yeah, that makes no sense. Right. <laughs> Star Destroyer gets to fucking the ship, and Vader can go in his shuttle and follow Obi Wan. Right, okay. Right, so they land on the planet, mm. and McGregor gets out. Mm-hmm. And then Darth Vader goes, falls in, gets out of his ship and goes, have you come here to destroy me? Mm-hmm. No, mate, you came here. You're following me, you dick. Mm-hmm. I haven't come to you. Mm-hmm. Do you not twig that when you saw it? It's backwards. It's bad editing. They've cut scenes out so that it doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> it's so bad. I didn't like when... Obi-Wan called him Darth like it was a first name. Yeah. That's a bit weird. Yeah, that was weird. He's a creep now, Obi-Wan. He's a proper groomer. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm buried under stones. I need to get my mojo back. Is it going to be Qui-Gon? No, it's going to be Leia, some 10-year-old girl who we met three days ago. He's going to get his mojo back and then burst out of the fucking stones into God mode and start fucking whirling them around. Yeah, I I mean, um, as much as I enjoyed the battle... Hello there. (laughs) At the end, yeah. Um, I think you know you've just got to accept that it's it is a TV show for children. It's not real, really. Um, ch- children don't pay for Disney Plus subscriptions. It ain't for children, man. It's yeah, for Star Wars fans. Mm, I don't know. I think it is for children, really. No, nah. like the prequels were. No. Uh, the bit that really made me laugh was when uh, the scene at the end where he leaves Luke again to go and see Leia for a visit. Yeah. And she's like, oh, someone's here to see me. Oh, is it another cousin or an ambassador or something? And Obi-Wan gets out and he's just saved her life and everything in the, the galaxy and he gets out. And she goes, Lola! <laughs> that just completely blanks him because of the robots there. The, the droids there. That made me laugh. Lol. Well, that's stupid. Says a lot about Leia, really, as a person. Um, when did when did lightsabers not you know stop being lethal weapons? Uh, they're so bright as well. I noticed how bright they were. They have to be bright because everything else is dark because they're using the same sets and the CGI shit. But I've never seen that fight. That, that fight where they had was on the so Tatooine well. set. It's just sand, sand, and it's, you know CGI some rocks in here and there. Yeah. It's fucking garbage. Absolute garbage. Why is it so dark? I know that's what I've begun to think about everything set on Tatooine. I'm thinking, why is the Empire not keeping closer tabs on Tatooine? They've had had the Mandalorian there. The other guy, what was the other guy? The shit fucking... Bobber. Bobber, yeah. Yeah. And then they've had... What, what does the Luke... thing about space, though, is it's really big. Yeah, but what does Luke say in a, in a New Hope? 
something about this this Batwater yeah. planet that I live on. No, it's the centre of the fucking Star Wars <laughs> universe, man. Luke, what are you talking about? Everything happens on Tatooine, it seems. Hasn't got any good schemes, though. <laughs> Terrible. What, oh, fuck, yeah, Reva. Which one's Reva? The uh, third sister. Who yeah, survives I mean, she two, was... two lightsabers to the, to the abdomen from Darth Vader. Yeah, that's... She gets stabbed at Order 66, somehow survives, we don't know why. <laughs> and then she survives again. And somehow, she must be like Leia. She must have some sort of way of, like, force teleporting herself through space because then she ends up on Tatooine somehow. Ah, uh, yes. At the beginning of uh, this week's episode. Yeah, well, she could. Don't need to know why. Could. Don't think... Don't. That's the, that's the lesson. Don't think about it because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Just consume. Consume the product. The next one, uh, Cassian. It's out in two weeks. Is Cassian it? Andor. Yeah. This is what it's going to be. Uh, I think it's eight or ten. Episodes of that, and there'll be a two-week gap, and there'll be the next fucking shit TV show for you to consume. Is uh, Andor Andor a a desert planet as well? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, Obi-Wan's cave. I mean, just fucking spend some money on CGI, man. It looks fucking terrible. Where does Ben Kenobi live anyway? He lives in the cave, doesn't he? In a, in a new no, he has a, he has a hut Does he have on a... top of a mountain. Right, okay. I remember from A New Hope. Right. Yeah. He upgraded. He's like, that's old Ben. <laughs> Hello there. You fought for my father in the Clone Wars. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You are my only hope. Yeah. Sort of screws that up a bit, really. I'll tell you what does screw up in A New Hope. When... Uh, Vader, you know, Obi-Wan surrenders himself mm. and Darth Vader kills him. Mm. And Luke goes, no! Quick, get in the Falcon. And then they're in space and, you know, next to the Jarek board, the board game, and Luke's like, Leia's consoling him. It's like, he was dead to me years ago. It's like they, well, like they never met because they hadn't. Well, because it turns out ten, year, ten years ago they had all this massive adventure together, and he saved me from being tortured. <laughs> it's just, guys, it's, yeah. it's just a massive retcon nonsense fest. <laughs> it's funny, it's funny, but it's shit at the same time because I love Star Wars, and they're just making a mess of it. So, what franchises are you ruining next week for the children of the nation? I know. What's it going to be? Voltron. What else does Disney own? Everything. Everything. I mean, Marvel's fucking shit. Marvel's gone anyway now. They should have stopped. They should have stopped after um, Endgame, shouldn't they? Should have left it. Leave it for like 10 years, then start again. They run a different can you? Yeah, and it's just trash. There's just nothing soulless, isn't it? I'm quite interested in this new Thor film. Yeah, I think the Thor film might be quite fun. I don't think... Oh, no, I think it'll be hilarious. And it's in its shitness. Oh. I think... Oh, quick, the last one. uh, uh, Ragnarok, that was good. Get... Take take the titty back. (laughs) And, you know, get him to direct it. And, and, you know, just run the formula again. Put it out there. Well, Mm. I saw... um, I saw the Buzz Lightyear film as well. That's that was Taika Waititi directing. Yeah, is it? Yeah, it's got Pan. That was it any good? I thought it was alright. I like the cat. <laughs> I uh, probably like the kids watch it. Is he gay now? Buzz Lightyear. I don't. Th- he's a toy, isn't he? Or a cartoon? 
Does he not have like a gay kiss or something? I don't know. That's what I found was just a bit ridiculous. In um, there was another shoehorned same-sex relationship in uh, a Marvel film. I don't know if it was in a Star Wars when it was like a random lesbian kiss, kiss in the background. But it was like, and it was like this Star America Wars. Chavez was like is like the one of the main things in the uh, Doctor Strange film, and. Uh, uh, it just sort of shoehorns in this, my two moms. Ah, uh, yeah. And I thought that was a bit kind of, there was just no other reason. No, it's just ticking the box. It's yeah. box ticking. Uh, King Valkyrie in the new Thor film, I think she's uh, bisexual. Is she like the one who's in Thingy? In Ragnarok? The, in Westworld. Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, she's the King of Asgard. Oh, she is in the new Shinani. film, yeah. King Valkyrie. Well, he gave her that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't do his job. Thor? What the f- Who's that? I mean... Um, Avenger fellas. He's a bit useless now. Bit of a laughing stock. I he's mean, to go away and find himself for the third time. Is that like... Is that... That seems, you know... Are all films going to be now that it's going to be up to the women to save the men? Because that's going to... That, surely that's going to get tedious, isn't it? If it's, you know... I suppose, Same it, with the Obi-Wan. Mm. Same with Obi-Wan. It's going to be if it's the same plot device over and over again. But you know, maybe it's because we've had a hundred years of men saving women. Yeah, yeah so does go completely the other way. It's the age of Aquarius. You don't have to look. Look at Maverick. No, yeah, yeah. There's no. Uh, from what I've heard, there's no like political messaging. There is. No. There was. There was oh? some strong woman character in. Um, what was her name? What is her name? Yeah, there Jennifer is Connelly, and she she expertly pilots a boat that he can't handle. I thought that was quite good. Because it definitely would have been Maverick in 80, 80 years ago, 1980s. Doing the piloting of the boat and helping Look, the lady. Oh, right. Okay. With nothing against strong female characters. It's when it's thrust. Yeah, it's so all like... about the message rather... Like my f- favourite... One of my favourite films is Aliens. Mm. Oh, yeah. Right. No one was moaning that Sigourney, you know, Sigourney Weaver is a, in, as Ripley is a believable character. Yeah. Very well written, well directed films. No one cares. No one even notices. Well, the other that one she's is a woman. Because uh, it works. But it was when it's fucking shoehorned in. A more recent one is Thingy in uh, Mad Max. Charlie's Theron. Mm. Yeah. I didn't even notice that Mad Max was just like there for the. Eye candy, the Lin- entire film. Linda Hamilton. Yeah, that's another one, yeah. Uh, Tinder, yeah. She's mm-hmm. there doing the fucking pull-ups on, in T2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's believable, like, she's a fucking hard case. <laughs> All right, you know, if she goes toe-to-toe with a 300-pound guy, he's going to crush her and slam her against the wall, but... She's cunning. It's believable, yeah. that's the thing. Whereas it's become a caricature. It's, it's, it ruins the film because it takes you out of watching the film. Because you're like... This is bullshit. This, this, just, they've yeah. just put this into check a box. It's yeah. jarring when something doesn't it takes, fit. It takes yeah. you out of the experience because yeah. you've been treated like a fucking idiot. <laughs> it's like, it's so shallow. You can see through it. It's all we deserve, though, Phil. Mm. Yep. I don't give a fuck. You don't give a fuck. You don't give a fuck. Right. So that was like 20 minutes. Fuck of Obi-Wan. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um... Right, I've got to go. Shit, I've got to go. <laughs> Literally, got to go. You're fine. You've got you've got 50 minutes. 
Oh no, what time is it? Ten to eleven. Ten to. One quick one then. We'll skip uh, penis man. Thoughts and prayers for uh, former professional footballer Gary Lineker this week. Crisps. Because I was like, you know, this tiny geeky kid with like, you know, darkish skin, and I, you know, I mean, it was pretty much racist abuse. Although I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm as English as they come. Really? You know, yeah, all the time, all the time. Even in professional football, I had that a couple of times. I wouldn't ever name any names. Yeah. Um, so I got that kind of nonsense, which was a bit weird. Plays into exactly what we were talking about. Victimhood. Oh. Um, <laughs> identity politics. Okay. Oh. It's everywhere. He's one of the worst at it. I'll <laughs> talk about Gary Lineker, the way he wanks on. One of these fucking champagne socialists. Yeah. He, did, he, took a, he took a refugee in, didn't he? Oh, good for him. Yeah. Yeah, where did he sleep? Where did he stay? He's probably in, like, the East Wing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's full of shit. <laughs> Fucking wanker. Um, if I was a black guy or an Asian guy, I'd be fucking insulted by that. Yeah. This right, white, yeah. rich-ass, privileged fucker <laughs> saying, oh, I had racist abuse once. Someone <laughs> said, oh, you're a bit dark. <laughs> Fuck off, you wanker. I would be thinking... If I was that way inclined, it just cheapens everything. It cheapens the experience of people who actually have lived through that. Yeah, you fucking I agree. prick. <laughs> <laughs> fucking prick. Saying that, not just saying it to someone like in the pub, but actually being recorded saying that. Oh, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's absolute wanker. Is he catching some heat for it? Or? No, probably, probably it. throwing rose petals <laughs> in front of him as he walks. To his fucking Maserati, fucking Marxist Maserati. Twat. Uh, Sorry. Winds me up, people who use stuff like that for points, social points, virtue points. Right, let's... um, let's, (laughs) End the podcast before Phil explodes. (laughs) Sorry. I thought we were going to finish on something funny, but, you know, I'm getting fucking rushed here because of him in his bloody hard top. He's about to get raped in half an hour. Why? <laughs> Some guy's coming from Coventry to buy something off him, cashing hand at half eleven at night. That makes no sense. Yeah, madhead. Yeah. <laughs> I would have someone in, the, in, the, in a clock tower <laughs> watching. Just in case. That your ten-year-old daughter. Yeah. I'll just get, do you want to borrow my megaphone? <laughs> so, leave the package at the end of the drive. Cash, <laughs> throw cash it in an envelope. Pull the roof at him. <laughs> right, shit. Go. Thanks for watching. Links in the show notes for everything you can do to support us. Mm. Thanks. Appreciate it. I like what you got. Good job. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for watching. Epic job. Coffee. Central. You know, you know the old adage. What did you do with Big Chungus? Boot your teacher out of They know what they're doing, Lair. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Grab his dick and twist it. Oh. Prince, it's all that. Hello. Your your penis fell off. See you. <laughs> See you. Your, your penis fell off. See you.